What's up? I'm Jeff Weiss, a writer. And I'm No Can Do, a rapper. And this is Shots Fired, a podcast about hip-hop and abstract art. Absol? <laughs> Absol, the best abstract painter in the world. No, I'm just looking at, we're in with the Cosmic Zoo and there's a uh, Jackson Pollock painting. So Kev loves, he loves, uh, he loves this kind of stuff. I don't. I, I, I like abstract expressionism. <laughs> I like comic books. <laughs> Who draws the flesh? <laughs> I believe Frank Miller does everything, right? Frank Miller does. He does actually do everything. Frank Miller had a quote because they were talking about. I think he has a new movie coming out. It's like a Sin City movie. Yeah, yeah and uh, <laughs> he described Hollywood screenwriting as like you try to make the most beautiful fire hydrant you can, and then they just line the dogs up to piss all over it. Wow, <laughs> that was like darts, <laughs> Frank Miller. Because I'd imagine from coming from like the comic world where you can almost get away with everything, like even the most yeah. the most sterile comic book. Well, like, it's like being a novelist. Yeah. Once once the comic book gets sterile, they bring in dudes to just fuck shit up. Yeah. They hire like, oh, I'm getting Grant Morrison. He, he's gonna fuck this thing up, and yeah. now we can start over again. Yeah. The movie world, they're like, no, no, we're gonna Michael Bay everything. Yeah, did you watch Transformers? Or no, 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 I there was a new Michael Bay movie, right? I saw Transformers There's and the Turtles. New. I mean, the Turtles, that's what I, I like. I like Tits and Explosions. I like, I like. How did you like? You like the Turtles? Did you like the original Turtles? I love the original Turtles. I loved the original Turtles. Um, my. I had to say it that way to really convey <laughs> how much I loved it because it was not a normal love. My my youngest daughter, I say it like this my, no, my middle daughter loved it. Uh, my oldest daughter, she was on the fence with it. Me and my, my wife was just hating from off top before she got in, before the fucking popcorn butter was pulled. <laughs> she was just like, this ain't going to be as good as the old one. And then, Yeah, because you're not 12. <laughs> you're not 9 or 8. But at the same time, I didn't like like it as much. And I'm like, I try to be like as impartial as possible. Yeah. And, you know, I, I like tits and explosions. There was not enough. There was a lot of explosions. There was no tits. tits no Megan I, Fox just, just being like, Donatello. Yeah. There was, or Michael, who was the one she was fucking in? The original, Ra- Raphael was, was hitting it, right? Supposedly. Well, Raphael wasn't hitting it, but she really did care for him. Because when I say hitting it, I mean, no. They I were, mean, like, they could hit it. Off yeah. screen. Yeah. Wasn't that weird, though? Like, isn't the like. Reckless. You know, the reckless runaway guy that gets his ass kicked. Like, dude, you get your ass kicked, a girl will take care of you and give you the best BJ. <laughs> you know, uh, if you get after you get jumped, that's the best sex happens after you get jumped. And it was interesting because on the cartoon, like Michelangelo was like the fun party time bro. You would think he would have got the girl, but I guess in the movie, then the, I liked it where they made Raphael just be moody and kind of sullen. Yeah, yeah, that's but that's I think that's what he always was because he's like, I'm just look, I'm good enough to be the leader, but I just I have a fucked up attitude. He's also fighting with the shortest weapon. Yeah, <laughs> like not much room to work with a saw, and his weapon is just sharp, like a point. Yeah. There's yeah. no kind of like I stab. He's stabby. Yeah, he's stabby. Yeah, it's true. But no, they didn't really have. Uh, they didn't really. There was no like, dude. It, it was just kind of fucking a Michael Bay movie. You know, it was like the whole like the first movie wasn't set up for a sequel. It was just like you're, you're gonna get a full meal. You're saying the Ninja Turtles. The first, yeah, the first Ninja Turtles when we were kids. Oh yeah. Even though they had sequels, but the sequel that's had why, Vanilla Ice. So yeah, but that's why the we, that's why the sequel kind of like, was like sucked or was weird because they're like we finished the whole fucking yeah, uh, you know entree. I liked the sequel though, but the third I didn't see. That was when they go to Japan, right? Or yeah, something. yeah, that was. But this one is like no boy. No. They just they they left a lot out and they try to set it up for another 
Because now they're just trying to that, and that's kind of a shame. Like you should yeah. like you're better off like making a complete movie and then trying to wriggle your way out of like the you know for the sequel. I'd imagine it's like you you know you're dating a girl or whatnot and it, it goes well and you know you, you guys make out and you finger fucking everything and you know you can fuck, but then she's just like nah uh uh you have to not wait, on the yeah. first day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but dude, back in the nineties, it's been a while since I've heard the phrase finger fucking. <laughs> <laughs> what what do they what do the kids say now? I don't know. Do kids get hand jobs now, or do this go straight to sex? <laughs> I think kids. I think all kids are on Molly. Like after, <laughs> after school, they go by it's the Molly. In the fountain. water. Yeah. It's, yeah. The, yeah, it's how, yeah. It's the only way to explain Young Thug. Yeah. Um. So stuff. Yeah. Stuff's been going on. Uh, yeah. What's going on? Sorry, we just talked about the turtles for too long. I could talk about the turtles all day. Um. Right. Yeah. I went to a. K- I went to a K-pop conference. Oh wow. That was weird. Um. That well, was. Just, that's that's that sounds like it should be fun. It was. I brought my friend Henry, who is my uh, one of my best friends. You brought a. You brought. A, I brought a, a Korean translator. Korean guy. Yeah, I brought a random Korean, <laughs> and we couldn't figure it out. It's just like boy bands. It's yeah. just weird because there's like you know how like One Direction's like the indie boy band now, kind yeah. of. Now, it, but like they they're like they're like Not it's a, straight boy band. It's this is straight like nine, late nineties boy band. So it's yeah. basically like Backstreet Boys and then Sync in Korean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and. Uh, it was like the only place I would if I had like a 13 year old daughter it probably is the only place in the world I could conceivably feel safe letting her go my my wife's my wife's uh, cousin my wife's aunt's like through marriage her her daughter's 12, 13 she's like a little Mexican chick uh-huh. and you know she just she's into she, K-pop she thinks she's Korean she watches yeah. the Korean soaps yeah there were a lot of learning la- Korean a lot of Latino people there yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, it was like only 65% Asian which was yeah Amazing. It's like I was happy for Asian people though. I was like I was like, that's great. Yeah. That's awesome that like Asian culture has permeated the mainstream in such a way that it's not only for Asian people. Yeah, I, I think globalization. The Koreans are uh really, really tight with media shit. Like dude, when we were were you at South by this year? No. It was basically the war with Samsung versus Apple. Oh really? And so like we had like the Far East guys, my friend Dumb, you know th- these dudes. Oh, Dumb was like the host of the thing. Is yeah. like he's a huge celebrity. Dumb is cool in and of itself, of, of, in, in and of himself, yeah. you know. But Samsung won South by Southwest. Samsung won it because they just have a better idea of what cool is mm-hmm. than like I feel like what like a lot of American companies. I didn't feel it was very cool, but it wasn't cool. I didn't think it was cool. No, but I'm not like I'll, it was also just so. Was it cooler than a One Direction concert? Think about how, think about that. I haven't been to a one red one direction concert. Just think about like just the straight like American pop shit. Like I've seen some shit and you know, it's bad. It's bad out there. I just don't I just don't understand how people enjoy that kind of music. I mean like more power to them for enjoying it, but like I have no part of my brain that can enjoy it at all. When was the last time you you had a Big Mac? Twenty years. Yeah. Last time I had a McDonald's hamburger was like 15 years ago. It's the same thing as, you know, having a, a really good Big Mac after a fucking, like, baseball game on the weekend or some shit, you know? <laughs> like, you know, like, yeah. like you know, you, you're like umami out, man. <laughs> My father's office all the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, How are you? What's what's going on? Uh, I've, I've uh, stepped into your... I've written my second uh, article for the LA Weekly. Oh, yeah. Um, I released a, a new song... Uh, Osaka. Oh, oh, yeah, it's called Osaka. I released that shit. Shout out Paul Thompson for an excellent feature and two dope boys on you as well. Yeah, he did a feature on me that was supposed to come out like three months ago. Yeah, and uh, but you know the thing, these things work uh, work out amazing. So, but uh, other than that, dude, I've been trying to get my cousin to come out with me to 
non-hood functions. I've been trying to get them to mm-hmm. like, you know, like I'm trying to get them to go with us to low end tonight, mm-hmm. you know. So like you know he can might maybe like you know you know meet a nice young lady meet a girl that's into not K-pop meet a girl that's not gang affiliated that's you know <laughs> I just want him want him to meet a girl whose baby's daddy isn't from the rival hood yeah that's um, all <laughs> yeah that would be that's a good um to crazy things and oh, I was gonna say we're gonna talk we're gonna talk a little bit about Ferguson we have Dewan Parker on a little bit um but no we, we, before we well, get to the heavy uh, stuff was, oh I went to Portland. Yeah. Which, you're right, definitely white Atlanta. White Atlanta, yeah. Yeah, the whole time I was there, I kept on thinking, I was like, James is right. This is so white Atlanta. Yeah. Uh, everyone is, it's like Silver Lake into an entire city, which is yeah. so weird for me. Like, everyone is so unique and yet the same. I wish, dude, I wish there was like some weird earthquake that just like caved in the country and just put those two cities right next to each other. Atlanta and Portland? Yeah. Well, that's my problem with Portland is it's it's so white and homogenous mm-hmm. and like I, I appreciate their like kind of bearded glory of which they've yeah. built for themselves mm-hmm. but it's really homo- like it, it's like with certain things like I was thinking about like, this would be a great place to live and then I was like well okay there's not that many minorities which like they, they, it adds a certain vibrancy to a culture yeah, yeah they have uh, Asians a lot of Asians no I had ramen like I had ramen there Bad ramen. I made a huge mistake. But if you're from if you're from LA, I had Mexican ramen food, and sushi. You, huge like, you mistake. You don't want to have that shit nowhere. You don't want to have fucking Mexican food outside of the Southwest. No, I cannot live in a place where there's not good Mexican food though. If I can't get some bomb ass carnitas, I can't. Fuck I'm no. not like if I look on your menu and then like shit. there's no carnitas del Borat, whatever the fuck, I can't do it, man. No, I can't do it. No. But if you're outside of the Southwest, don't eat Mexican food. No. But, um, I mean, I like, went to strip clubs. You did. Yeah, that's tight. It was with my girlfriend, so it lived. It lived up to the the myth of Portland. That's how you're supposed to do. It. You're not supposed to go to sh- like no. I could. Clothes. I can't. Yeah. If you go there without out of if you go there with a girl, you know the girls are like, oh damn, this is the least creepy guy in the room. We're definitely the two least creepy. But there were like some assholes that were playing poker the whole time and like throwing chips at the strippers. I was. We were both pretty offended. We're like, how dare you? That's fucking stupid. Yeah, she. Yeah, it was. It was good. It was. They. They are. Um. It. You didn't feel like you know in L. A. Like you kind of feel sketchy going to a strip club in Portland. It was like very like. It was. It felt like a very respectable. Yeah, just like place look, of business. Give me your ID. Come in there. It's well lit. Oh yeah. They have that uh one uh they have that one uh bar that's an arcade that I fuck with in Portland. Did you go arcade? To it's, I don't know if it's called a barcade, but it's an arcade. It's a bar. No. Pretty tight. Like the barcade here is like. We specialize in 80s games. Yeah, I think they have the Ninja... No, they don't have the Ninja Turtles game. They probably don't. Which but, sucks. But the one in Portland has, like, games, like, from the 80s up until now. Then there's, like, the pinball pinball section for your old dads. And, yeah. you know, when we were on the, the Hellfire, the U.S. tour, I made sure to thoroughly serve everybody in every Street Fighter game. that we, that we Whoever wanted to step up. I, yeah. That... that Any chance I can get, get that out of my system. <laughs> well, I'm you can't beat the game for a quarter. Yes, I can. <laughs> yeah, all the time. Yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This is a fun fact about No Can Do. Uh, he goes to the arcade on Vermont and just goes for like an hour and beats Street Fighter Two. Yeah. Can you beat it with Zangief on a quarter? I can beat it with everybody on a quarter. on a quarter. On a quarter. That's pretty amazing when you can beat it with Zangief on a quarter. I mean, it's all the thing about the different characters in Street Fighter is just rhythms, you know. Like once you learn the different rhythms and Zangief's rhythm, it's pretty hard. It's it's more of a like you know, like I imagine like if you play Stone, you can do well with Zangief. 
if you're stoned because that rhythm is like slow yeah yeah know. he's he's you have to fight almost defensively with Zangief yeah, yeah. whereas like with Chun-Li you're just on the attack and yeah, all that's some, that's some tweak shit you know <laughs> that's some that's some crystal and if you if it's like Dao Zim that's like PCP you know <laughs> like, Ken and Ryu are like right in the middle Ken and Ryu they're like coke they're like coke. <laughs> you, you know you're just like I'm confident definitely I Ken can, Ken has done cocaine a couple times oh yeah <laughs> Ken is he has the plug Guile is definitely stoned at the beach fighting PTSD yeah, <laughs> yeah he's like he's an over the counter drug that they that they give <laughs> he's unvalued military yeah, he's guys like everything. for PTSD um, I don't really want to be here while I'm fighting but, so yeah but so what's up oh dude, let's get talk about News. this fucking Taylor Swift shit Taylor Swift appropriating culture left and right which I'm not offended by at all because like honestly if you're getting mad about appropriating culture in 2014 like come on it's been done to death like who hasn't you know shit's been happening since Elvis probably before Elvis yeah I'm offended by her dancing she dances worse than me which is impressive yeah um not good yeah, it, it, to be a professional artist and to dance that poorly yeah like cause you have well she's a singer and she's a guitar player you know, but uh, like maybe, maybe like it's just so corny. Like maybe you know, one or two months out of the year, take some lessons. It's just the, it's just uh, you can't even get mad at it. But like you know, that's gonna be like a number one single. Like you just already saw that. You're like, oh, it's already gonna it's hell on earth. Uh, I'm just gonna hear that song everywhere I go. Everybody talks about appropriation. I don't really like. I saw the video. I clicked on it ASAP. Because when people talk about drama, like, I want to know. Because I, I Facebook stalk yeah. all my friends at night. Totally. You know? And uh, somebody clicked, you know, there was, like, a thing with Earl talking about this shit. Earl, Earl came hard. Yeah. Should, I, should, I read the, should I read the tweets? Yeah, what did Earl say? Man? Um, Earl, <laughs> I really like Earl. He said that I haven't even seen the Taylor Swift video, and I don't need to watch it to tell you that it's inherently offensive and ultimately harmful, perpetuating black stereotypes to the same demographic of white girls who hide their prejudice by proclaiming their love of the culture. For instance, those of you who are afraid of black people but love that in 2014 it's okay for you to trill or twerk or say nigga. Uh, yeah, I think he, like, he, I think everybody's, like, real riled up for some shit, you know, in, the, They're in bored. these times. Um, because... Like, you're not supposed to go that hard without investigating. What do you mean? Like, he was just like, this is perpetuating the culture. But then it's like, there's a whole scene with, like, ballet dancers. And well, I so think our- she was parroting. She was obviously parroting other musicians like Katy Perry, Lady Gaga, like, mm-hmm. Nicki Minaj, whatever. But just doing it really poorly and ultimately not funny. No, I don't think it was... I think it was it was fun. Homage, it was, it was silly. Yeah, it was like she's in the '80s hip hop gear with the boombox. She's you know? in the '80s. She's doing the ballet thing. She's doing like the the mod thing, and then like I like you know. So like, is it fucking perpetuating stereotypes about mm-hmm. mod culture? Or perpetuating stereotypes about ballet because the ballerinas are getting it bad in that. How's video? your mom feel about this as a ballerina? In particular? As, a, as a black ballerina, <laughs> baller, she's angry. <laughs> No, um, yeah, but she she's probably my mom is probably mad about her bad dancing. Yeah, just like you yeah, know. it's like offensive. You're she's like, like, God, you're terrible at dancing. Those twelve bitches are good, but she should be in the back. <laughs> <laughs> and then Nicki Minaj dropped Anaconda, which I hate that song. With like, just like I watched you watch the video. I watched the video. The video is amazing because it's one big gif. Yeah. And, I mean, Nikki, like, I, Nikki, like, gives cognitive dissonance in my brain, like, nobody else, which, like, maybe that's, like, her, one of her gifts because you're like, you're so hot. But then you're like, it's so fake. The whole thing is like, you're, it's like a synthetic, it's like Pamela Anderson. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like, you're almost like, that's not what I want. And then, 
Um, but she's like, you gotta look at it. You, you gotta, gotta look, look at it. I she's, know. she's running slow mo on the beach, bro. What can that she's do? She's doing the come hither thing in, the, in like the downward facing dog position. What am I? I'm helpless. Mm-hmm. And then she, you know, she's obviously an amazing rapper, but then she doesn't care about that half the time because she's just about getting money. And then like, you're like, it's just you have to respect her because she's she's. I mean, she's very 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 talented. Yeah. But I'm, I'm so mad that like. That like there was a, a angle before when she said something about like you know like making more like conscious music and like wearing yeah, natural hair and shit and then pills and potions was about was basically fuck the haters. I actually and think then, that's a very well written. It's a well made song. It's, it's a well made song it's for a sure. Song, yeah. You know, but it's about fuck the haters, and this song was about just fucking drug dealers. Yeah, like you know, I like, but the bars are always good. You know, like I can't. I did. I you know what it was kind of. It was uh, it kind of was ripping off that how many licks Nikki Little Kim song. Damn, you you're on you're on Team Kim right now. Yeah, I mean, I'm always gonna be on Team Little Kim just because like I was a big Little Kim fan. (laughs) Hey, I like Foxy Brown a lot too. Like I I I like I like Foxy Brown, man. Little Kim right now, she looks like. Well, I'm not what I'm talking right now. She looks like fucking like Donatella Versace. Like not Donatella Versace. She looks like a fucking like a a Mega Man bad guy or some shit. (laughs) Like ah fuck, I hate her face. Yeah, it's it's a shame what time did to those two. I mean, I was obsessed with. Them. I mean, I thought they no, were so doesn't, hot. And doesn't Foxy Brown look hot right now? Or she looks like a hot old lady, <laughs> like know. a hot like a forty year old. Like she looks like a milf. I don't know. She can't she, hear anything we're saying, so just go for it. Yeah, Ooh, that's what, no, she, she she got her she got her hearing back. Good. I would, dude. I would, it was amazing I how she Foxy Brown it, anytime. If she was doesn't deaf, for the and soul. she has bars too. She did have bars. Yeah, man. I mean, they might have been written by Jay Z, but they were still bars. Yeah. Um, I like also how she sparked the beef between Corrupt and DMX. Yeah. It's just a great footnote in history. That's a real, real Helena Troy ass bitch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, that was cool. I mean, she almost, she almost made the second coming of the East Coast, West Coast beef. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, and yeah, Anaconda, this Sir Mix a lot sample super lazy. I just like, like but. I just like Sir Mix-a-Lot because that shit was like playful and fun and this song I don't well the Sir Mix-a-Lot song was excellent songwriting excellent songwriting excellent song the video was so funny too where he's on the big asses you're like at least that's like it's hilarious and like this shit is just like I don't know I just did not enjoy it. Sir and the product placement really makes me feel uneasy when I see it. You're like, oh, don't think I didn't see that Beats by Dre thing. I'm saying yeah. it now, therefore perpetuating the cycle of yeah. everyone lying to me. The fucking <laughs> Sir mix a lot song was like really a song about like women. It, like people get get really fucked up about like what's conscious hip hop and not, but like the Sir mix a lot song was about big women appreciating their totally. bodies it was very like pro- yeah like it like, didn't make you feel bad you're like no it's okay you might be a little like you might you might be a little thicker but I still lo- yeah. someone loves you stop, <laughs> stop taking those fucking diet you pills don't need to do sit ups keep, keep yeah, exactly Jane Fonda forget it who cares you don't need that video in your VHS <laughs> but like keep it cakey but this one is just like no get injected yeah have like ah. totally it's like ah, I'm fucking a cocaine dealer and I'm like bad messages to be sending and then I'm buying designer shoes and like I don't I hate preachy hip hop people but like I just it's weird to think that like on some level like my girlfriend was like it's like spy kids where it's like they're putting these messages in kids like at a young age and then like they're committing you and I was like wow 
That's kind of on point. Wait, wait. Spy Kids was putting messages. Well, like no, like like in the movie Spy Kids, I think like oh. there was like messages. I don't. know. I didn't see Spy Kids. And, okay, but, okay, I get it. But yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I've seen it, but I just I was like, where Spy Kids put messages in my no. kid's head? Yeah, no, no, not but in the movie Spy mm-hmm. Kids. Um, and then obviously, you know Ferguson. Which how how do you feel about the Ferguson thing? Have you been following it? Ask a black man. Or ask a black. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right, <laughs> do this, Paul Mooney. <laughs> Oh fuck! Man. I wanted we wanted to have a whole episode where it's just us two and open Mike Eagle and house shoes, but we, we may do that. We, I would like to, yeah. Um, like it's really hard for me to say because I'm not there, uh, and there's so much, there's so much mystery about what happened. Obviously, um, I I let's keep it really. I'm gonna keep it really 100 about me. Um. I would uh I don't know if I'd be with the writers or the protesters but I don't think if I if I lived there I could sit in my house um you know uh whether whether or not whether or not the whether or not the cop you know isn't is in the wrong or the right I feel like the the body the body out for four hours that just makes it seem shady as fuck you know and also six times is it's mm. a lot to shoot somebody unarmed well cops have nine millimeters you know and uh they don't have stopping power so yeah. you, you know and and and, and low-key like let's say I, who knows who knows what uh if the cop was in fear or something like that or just you know those motherfuckers probably never get to shoot so that's not like a natural natural thing that they have so they probably fuck, he probably flipped out whether yeah. he was on some angry shit or some fear shit um you know but uh I, I think using using tanks is always not good or using fucking <laughs> tear gas and tanks and you're just like well, yeah yeah I mean I don't know how you stop rubber right. bullets rubber bullets the homies got shot with rubber bullets at, at the fucking Staples Center. Shit's gotta hurt. At a fucking Rage Against the Machine concert, you know? Like, like that shit, like, that rubber bullets, I, rubber tear bullets through the cool. skin, yeah. Rub, no? well, they don't tear through the skin. No? They bruise the fuck out of you. Rubber bullets... So it's like paintball? A little bit more. <laughs> All right. Rubber bullets, cool. Salt bullets, cool. Water hoses, not cool. Were they using water tear, hoses? Nah, they weren't, but... <laughs> tear gas, I mean... At that point, it's fucking, it's, it's damn near war, I guess, you know? Like, I don't know why these, I, I, the whole, I mean, like, I could go on for 10 hours about it. It's pretty disturbing, like, why they have tanks, why 55% of the U.S. government is military budget, and then, like, obviously there's an excess from the war, and they're bidding on grants to give it away to local police departments, like... I tell you this, buddy, <laughs> like, let's say I'm in, like, a studio, and then I go on Craigslist, and I see all this, like... The studios are closing down and I see all their gear selling for half off. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah, we want that. Just because there's somebody that just loves fucking gear there, I'm yeah. sure. And they're just like, yeah, man, let's get some motherfucking, let's get some some tanks. It's pretty horrifying. Did you read the Washington Post thing where the cop, there was like some LAPD asshole cop is like, how to not have cops? And it's just like, just listen to what we do. We're, it's just like this laundry list of like cop being a, a, just the biggest dick. Yeah. Like, 
you know, we're trying. I'd have to read the thing to you. But, but yeah. what's the general, general? The general rule? gist is like to shut the fuck up and listen to cops because we know better than you. It's yeah. basically the gist. And of course, he was like an LAPD guy for, yeah. you know, and it's interesting because like a lot of people are like so surprised about the militarization. But, you know, the LAPD was the first militarized police force in the entire world. Like, yeah. like Parker, the police chief in the 50s, was like an ex-Marine and kind yeah. of was like, oh, let's just take these Marine tactics. Yeah. And apply and wasn't them. the guy before that, though? Like, no, uh, it was Parker. And then Daryl Gates was Darryl his Gates. protege. I yeah. think they might had one guy between them but Daryl Gates was his protege mm-hmm. and it was just they were all they would hire I mean they would hire police officers from Mississippi and like mm-hmm. you know uh, yeah, yeah. who had dealt with problem people <laughs> you know just like yeah. code words I'm disappointed by Obama's response to this I understand that you know I, I respect where he's coming from in the sense that he's trying to be a responsible measured president mm-hmm. but this is not a responsible measured situation um, he probably needs to but kind what of what do you want him to do I would have liked to him to have kind of given I, I, I you know when I really became like an Obama supporter yeah. was when he gave the Reverend Wright race speech because when I saw that I was pretty blown away that a politician of that stature running for president had the ability to kind of hold such contrasting ideas in their head and see all different sides and like I think maybe that can lead to a certain kind of paralysis and I think maybe that's kind of why he looked so tired did you watch his press conference yeah he looked tired as fuck Imagine, yeah. dude, imagine you taking a vacation and it not being a vacation. I know, that in Gaza. <laughs> You're like, Jesus fucking Christ. And, and then in Iraq as well. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah, ISIS. Yeah. It's like... Yeah. So, like... Beheadings. Yeah, there's real, real beheadings happening, and there's real bombings and, and things like that. Uh, damn, you know, uh, I had this this one thing happen to me. I don't know if I said this on the podcast, but um, uh, a while ago, I was... Uh, me, my buddy John came down from Stockton to visit, and then my homie Rob, they spent the night. My lady, I guess, spent the night at her mom's house or something like that. And, uh, you know, we it was me, Rob, and John. John is white. We went to, this is like back, you know, almost on my hipster shit. This is when the barcade was illegal. Yeah. Over on, on Western, we went to the barcade. It was illegal? It was illegal. It was a speakeasy. It was a real speakeasy. Uh, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. And they got busted, and they had to open a real one. They had oh, to get okay. a license. But, uh, we went to the barcade, came back home, and uh, my neighbor, who's like, you know, ex dope fiend, so she just paranoid about everything. She saw, she saw John, a man she's never seen before, smoking a cigarette outside of her window, uh-huh. and immediately called the cops. John's dumbass left the fucking door open, and you know, I'm just like fucking white people. <laughs> he left the door open. The cops come in. I'm asleep in, in my room. John's on the couch, like awake and like texting his girlfriend, and then Rob is asleep. The police come in. They fucking cuff Rob. They call then Rob's like, James, come on, wake up, wake up. I wake up and I'm just like, oh, what the fuck's going on? And like, I just look like a dope dealer. Like I just got fucking dicky shorts on and like a half like matted afro. You know what? What, what I think? You know, whatever. It, it, it looks. It looks typical. On camera, it will look funny. And then John's on the couch. They cuff me. They leave Rob cuffed. They don't even talk to you. They just they, start cuffing you. They they just like we have to cuff you. I was like, get the fuck out of my house. And, yeah, they, like, and then then they put guns out on us. <laughs> then so we have the guns out on insane. us. And then they're like, uh, they're like you're gonna need to show some ID. I was like, my hands are fucking cuffed up. And the whole time John is on the couch, wide awake, looking at them, texting this shit to his girlfriend. I'm like, you're really not gonna cuff the white guy. You're really not gonna put a gun on the white guy. What the fuck? 
So I, you know, did I, you really say that? <laughs> no, <laughs> I didn't want to. And these cops, they look like fucking Were like they all gang bangers. No, nah, it was actually a fucking uh, a, a Spanish looking dude, and then like a, a Samoan looking guy, or like a uh, like a like a mixed black guy. So I, you know, I go and I pull out my fucking passport, which is stamped up heavily at this point. Yeah, and I and, and I'm out of my back pocket, and I like show and I throw it to the guy, and uh, you know, but basically. You know, it, I, I'm not really surprised at the you know cops, uh, you know, misbehaving or yeah. Or treating. Well, that's the thing. Like, I really hope from this, like, regardless of what comes out of it, it'd be nice if there was some accountability for law enforcement for the way that they've systematically abused like people in their communities. Mm-hmm. Killer Mike actually was on CNN today talking about it and it was kind of amazing and he was basically saying that like one of the biggest problems is like it used to be like policemen would come from the community and now they're a lot of the time ex-soldiers that are coming back from war and doing that. I mean LAPD has always been fucking insane. Yeah. So like I think like you know coming up here like you know it's interesting when we talk to people. All my encounters with any policeman have always unanimously been just the worst things yeah. ever. Yeah. Always. Just always it's like how can we demean you and I'm like a white person. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like who yeah. I mean, I probably don't look like I'm on the up and up ever. Cause look at me, I like I. You look like a fucking hippie. I look like a fucking hippie. I I'd like, be like, "Where's the acid?" Be like, "It's in my sock." Do you want it? Do you want to hit? Um, but they, they, as somebody that has like a lot of pride, um, they dehumanize you, and it's, mm. it's. There's nothing worse than that. Like you, I don't think people deserve anyone deserves to be treated like a fucking criminal without. But and they immediately treat you like a criminal, and mm. that's. Well, you know what's so funny, man. Like, like I'm a big Fanon guy, like France, France Fanon yeah. guy, and like you know, he's just like, you know, you find you start to find a respect and uh, respect through war. You know, that's that's one, the one thing. Like, you know, decolonization isn't just about fighting back; it's like just through the lost and everybody's fucking clashing. You 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 put you get yourself you put yourself on equal levels. So with that said, when I lived in Oakland. Cops don't pull people over. Really, they they don't they don't really fuck with people, um, because like, like like this one guy like the first thing I saw on the news, this happened like three months three months in a row at least one time, one time a month or with, with three times like in a, in a in a season, the cops are looking for a guy they trap him in this building, cops get shot like they don't have a problem like you know you're you're gonna kill me yeah. or some some of those dudes and so they don't like do they don't do like there's no fucking like weird stop and frisk it's and like, I, had, I got one time when I was living in San Francisco for a couple months I got pulled over by SFPD and I had my lights off uh, I didn't realize like I went to the shop that day and like the, the mechanic turned off my lights mm-hmm. and uh they were really cool. Yeah. I mean, not to say that all SF, but like it was so weird yeah. compared to like LAPD when you get pulled over and they're just like, like you're being suspected already of multiple crimes and yeah, yeah. I got pulled over like a month, like three, like six months ago in front of literally in front of my apartment um, as I was pulling into my driveway. Yeah, and the cop is just like going on because my I had like a taillight out. Yeah. And he starts just ripping into About me mercilessly. And I'm like, um, do you see that spot right there? That's my parking spot. This is my driveway. Can I please get this fixed in the morning? And they're like, no. And he starts like harassing me about like me being drunk and how he was going to take me out. I'd had like three sips of a margarita. Like I was yeah. .001 or something ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was... It's really hard because like... And I, and I understand like why people go nuts on cops because it's like no one wants to have like that feeling of violation like for something that it's just I don't know yeah especially if you're someone I don't know but that's totally dem- I mean that's a different argument than I think what the whole Ferguson thing is about but the, the Ferguson thing it, it, it basically I mean like if you're a young black dude off top 
you all you have a dis- you have a distrust or a disdain for the police. Um, yeah, and like people don't realize it's like hundred fifty, like a hundred, like the minimum, like fifty years of like fucking generational shit. Like, yeah, but and it's I don't know like if it comes first, like because I, I like I don't know if I like have the bad ad- attitude with the cops or the cops have the bad attitude with me or like I don't know what, what comes first, but I just know like it's just it's just it's cats and dogs, you know, and I, I really think uh, you know. Like after this, like that city will know. Like there'll be protocol. Even if, like, even at least LA cops are a little bit more. Like they know they can't fucking do what they did in no, the no. same way. They have to be yeah. sneakier about this shit. Yeah. Like once you fucking burn some shit down, they're like, "Fuck, oh, dude!" Like yeah. kind of feel like it's our fault. But but then Rampart <laughs> was like after that too. And what you realize about Rampart is Rampart like, was a gang though. Yeah, but that's the crazy thing is there's no difference. Most cops that they have the same personality as criminals. Yeah. There's like like it's like the difference between like like you know like it's point oh one percent of DNA between like a criminal and like a cop. No, I mean, dude, I, it's the same. It's, it's the same, same thing. You're above the law. They're all gangs. They're like when I when I talk like when I talk to my or when I think about myself and I think about you or what, we're civilians yeah. you know when I think about a gangbanger I think about a fucking 18th street or a crip or a blood or a police officer yeah. these are guys that carry guns that have a fucking code they have a fucking crew that they belong yeah. to and you know there's numbers like you know cops have numbers on their chest gangbangers have numbers on their chest you know what I'm saying yeah. like you know whether it be tattooed or whether it be a badge and they have their little fucking crews that they kick it with. And there's dudes that are that are like in gangs that just want to fucking have, you know, kind of just be a part of the gang. And then there's like the guys that kill people. Yeah. And there's the guys that are just with the business, yeah. so to speak. You know what I'm saying? And uh, like that shit. Yeah. I mean, it's hard not to no believe difference. the situation's not cold-blooded murder. You know what I mean? Like yeah, it's yeah. hard to like pay attention, but... You know, it's then you see, I mean, uh, like, I know we got to go to the episode, but, you know, you see something like the George Zimmerman thing last year, that mm-hmm. fucker got off, and you're mm-hmm. like, are you fucking kidding me? And then the New York Police Department guy that yeah. chokeholds a guy and kills him, and it's at a certain point, like, you're like, that's a problem. Yeah, like, it's yeah. a big problem, and yeah. it's not addressed, and I hope that... It is hard. It is hard. Like I think it's hard to be a cop. I'm sure, but not. It's hard to be a cop. But I I think the lesson lesson for this, like, we may not be able to fucking change this shit. Well, you can't change it because the shit keeps happening. But I think, uh, I think the lesson for America and like white America and like the people that are in like the rural areas, like you know, they should kind of just at least just maybe learn. Like, hey, it's kind of harder to be a black male. It's hard. It's kind of harder. Like, it's like. You know, it's like when you're playing Street Fighter and you're playing on like, you know, two stars and the other guy's got eight stars or he's got six stars. Like yeah. on a socioeconomic level, uh, it may not be that same way because, you know, there's there could be a kid that comes from Ladera or whatnot. And there could be like, you know, uh, another white kid that comes from Beverly Hills. Parents have the same kind of jobs or whatnot that like that. That shit is the same. But I mean, that shit is the same. But when when you start playing with like uh like. When, when you when you get into like dealing with the police or when you get into you know dealing with uh like like these establishments that are uh that are outside of just like some shit that you normally would go to but like things that come to you uh you know it's you are you are playing you're at a loss i was sitting down this is random check this out i'm sitting down at a coffee shop and I'm ear hustling two, two guys that are talking. They're like, you know, talking about fucking Crimea and politics and, you know, and world politics. No Crimea. Yeah. And I'm, I'm like a, you know, a, a well-traveled dude. 
and they're talking and I, and I and I say them before they get into the conversation I'm like oh I'm just ear hustling you guys conversation you know so don't or so but don't mind me right then they start talking about Georgia right the country of Georgia and uh and and what's going on there I was like yeah I have some neighbors from Georgia and then the guy like I and they're talking about world politics and then I I'm like I said they have some neighbors from Georgia and the guy you know who's a cool dude he's like another musician and everything he like you mean the country right or the state and I'm like what like I wonder like if I wonder if I was like you know like a like a like I if I was like the white version of myself would you ask me that question you know what I'm saying like like Oh, or do do you do you think that I wasn't following? Oh, you think that you wouldn't realize it was there was the country of Georgia? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and like, yeah, like I think like there's a lot there's a lot assumed about you when you are a black male or when you are a white male. Even there's some people assume in Mexico you'll get robbed before me, and I can have fucking. 30 fucking racks on me we can yeah. go down there you can have 30 dollars the federales are gonna go for the white boy i'd bribe me too I'd, you know i'd be like yeah i'd rob him yeah like, you know what I'm, saying? I'm hoping the the shorter kind of more hipstery ones would get robbed before me the hipstery ones don't get robbed really no with the with the coats that you wear they're gonna rob oh, you yeah well in those coats anyone would rob you yeah but if it's like sean caplow they're uh, like yeah you fucking what are you yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah like, what are they? What are you with me? They're like, what are you, Macklemore? <laughs> I'm right. gonna pop some. All right, we need to go to this episode. It's too long of an intro. Um, Dewan Parker, a great producer, uh, was working at, with Dr. Dre at Aftermath for a long time. If you don't know, just Google his Wikipedia. Everything from Fifty to Busta, Eminem produced a lot of Relapse. He, he just pro- made the '90s, man. I mean, he, the 2000s. He produced for Jay, Snoop, Raekwon. Yeah. It's crazy how young he is too. Yeah, he's young. I think he's not even thirty. And you know, Phil Bedro now is his, his new artist, and he's super dope. And I, I've been I've been playing some of the project with him and Phil Boudreau at Low End. I've been playing like it's really good. Some shit. Yeah, it's the only shit that DJ House Shoes likes. <laughs> the <laughs> the only pop shit. When I only pop shit. I was like, do you like any pop? And he was like, Phil Boudreau. And yeah, we talked about that in the episode. Anyway, that's all. That's it. Now leave that's me alone. It. He's like, don't, don't ever ask me that again. Yeah. All right. Shots fired. <laughs> I think he'll continue to make good music, but I think it'll be like deeper and boringer as it goes. Yeah, like, it'll, it'll be I, good. He's super talented. He's very intelligent, obviously. Like he's got something to say, but it's something to be said when a young man's too smart, man. Also, when you move to LA, like that shit is not usually good. You move to LA, it's either you turn into a fucking I don't know. Or where are you from? I'm from Boston. You from Boston? Yeah. How long you been out here? Six years. What did LA do to you? <laughs> you made me hate driving. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh-huh. It's uh, and and I've I become a little more flakier. Like I don't I don't make like appointments. Like Angelino. Yeah. yeah. Like like I exactly. Mm. I didn't plan on that. Otherwise, I, I'm trying to keep it East Coast mentality. <laughs> when you get back home, where you're just like, man, Twan's he's Hollywood on us. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah Everyone says you like, change. Boston. You know, they're like, oh, you lost your accent, all of that. You yeah. Know. And they you start the, saying hella. I, nah, because that's the Bay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I got a lot of people from the Bay, and they say it so much that it makes me not. You say can it. never keep up with it if you're yeah. in the Bay. Yeah. Hella, and hella, hella. Or Hecka Even if you're you really from the Bay You say Hecka uh, But I feel like we say that too For real? I used to say yeah Yeah like 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 Hecka of a lot Or or just Hecka Hecka this or Hecka that Okay I didn't know that Yeah, yeah. What part of Boston were you from? Um, well I was born in Providence And then um, I lived in Back Bay 
for like most of the time like uh like pretty close to to berkeley and to to fenway park and all of that yeah. Yeah. i never lived in like roxbury nothing like that and then my mom moved to uh just outside of lowell mass uh-huh. um while i was in college yeah. where'd you go to college i went to berkeley oh, you went to berkeley yeah ah berkeley school of music yeah Man, okay cool, yeah, cool in cool. boston um a lot of talented dudes do you, you know the comedian eric andre i do so he's a berkeley dude man i mean i know him as a struggling musician like for real when, he was a musician like, he, he went to racist. berkeley yes. i know he went there he, but i didn't he know he went to berkeley man like i know him pretty well like mm. we used to hang out all mm. the time mm-hmm. um de- definitely the summer before i came out here yeah. his roommate is good friends with of, of mine he's uh he used to work for this company called taxi which was like a r like service but eric andre was making videos like like by fenway like getting in the street like you know, trying to make like a like parody clips or like shorts or whatever while we were in college and yeah. being like, man, this dude, you know, he's silly. Yeah, and then yeah. the next thing you know, he's like the caveman guy for like the Geico commercials or whatever. Yeah. And then he just now we got his show. And was Eric? I didn't know he was a caveman dude. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, I gotta look that shit up. Yeah, yeah. shout out to Eric Andre. That's tight, dude. How many? How many other people from? I like when I talk to like uh like particularly. My fucking my my what's her name my uh, my my dad's second wife, you know she talks about like growing up in the bay at a certain time and right. how it was like popping and all these acts came out of this one little spot you know what I'm saying so like, how many people like you're, you're a successful dude Appreciate we wouldn't it. be talking to you trying Eric Andre is a very successful dude how many people like were there a lot of people that you know that like from your your scene your world your school that are you know, uh, out there and successful as you? It's starting to happen now. Um, mm. Actually, when I was in college, I remember people complaining about, like, saying that our kind of class in the four so years before me and, and after, mm. that was like a transition period at mm. the school. And now, Oh, like um, after you guys left, it was just whack? No, that <laughs> it was before, it was whack before it got there, like just before we got there. Oh, okay. That it was like, oh, it's starting to get dope again. Like, okay. like they're starting the to. Barriers. Yeah, like, uh, right. And um, no disrespect to him. But, um, you know. <laughs> I'll disrespect Joe Mayer. Well, I mean, he's. <laughs> he's a, for both of us. When I got there, of course, um, John Mayer was just actually blowing up. And um, there's yeah. a lot of students who are coming in who were influenced by that, who were like half decent guitar players and stuff. And all those people failed out. Like they Half decent guitar yeah, players. They yeah. they wouldn't you know they they started over um, they over accepted you know what I mean like the yeah, student yeah. body so, so they need that money this is post nine eleven exactly yeah. so they started bumping people to the next semester for the spring semester instead of some, like all of this stuff like that mm. and um, I remember being in my class feeling like there was only a couple of people that I thought. We'll see what happens with them, and I was I was kind of one of the first people to to start working like pretty professionally. Mm-hmm. Um, but now that you bring that up, like now there's been about five six years or so, a lot of people I went to school with are starting to either be in check writing positions yeah. or they're getting deals or whatever now. Yeah. And the uh, business stuff always still intrigued me. So uh, when I saw some some of those electives and all of that, I was like, I want to. What made you want to be a corporate lawyer? Um, I just did you have my dad? Is my dad your dad? Yeah, right, right, right. Um, no, no pops. But um, basically, I guess I did pretty well in school. And you would just hear like what the good jobs were. Totally. So you used to be a doctor or a lawyer. And then one day I was like, 
heard you should be a corporate lawyer they represent businesses like yeah. you should be a lawyer for like AT&T or something like that and uh, I was like that sounds cool and then when I started researching that it was like uh, most most of those kind of lawyers have like accounting degrees or some kind of financial background and um, I'm enough into that so uh, I was like I think I want to go in this mode um, but you know it wouldn't have worked out I realized corporate lawyers are like the evil lawyers you yeah. know what I'm saying and like just you know how my life ended up turning out I'm really glad to be doing what I'm doing yeah I used to want to be a lawyer too until I realized what yeah. a lawyer meant I was like yeah, yeah. I don't think but I had the whole thing planned man I mean I had a decent SAT score I was going to go to NYU then I wanted to go to Columbia for law school after that yeah me too yeah, then we could have been classmates I, in the ultimate I imagine world. so right uh, miserable right smoking lots of weed <laughs> <laughs> like whatever I hate might it. not have been miserable hey, I would have probably been I, I mean they make money yeah That's good okay. <laughs> oh, um, So Were you playing Piano your whole life? Nah um, I started playing Kind of like On a dare Or really Cause this girl I like She she was taking Piano lessons This is about Like 7th, 8th grade Oh and, and she was playing, Shit <laughs> She was playing This progression Actually I wasn't Trying to impress her She Not was the playing first time Something that I this. liked <laughs> You know what I mean <laughs> She had just started Taking lessons And she was playing This little simple thing and uh, I was like, that's that's dope. I just liked how it sounded. Could you show me that? And she wouldn't show show me. And man, that pissed me off. It's <laughs> like, you know, I couldn't understand why. You know, like, I'm not going to be the piano player of the neighborhood. I just like what, what that little groove you're doing. Show me how to do that. Wouldn't show me, wouldn't show me. I couldn't get over it. So uh, her brother played basketball. We used to play basketball together. So I'd go over there all the time. And uh, they had an upright piano, and I just kept trying to remember what it was. So each day, I would take like 20 minutes when there was no one, you know, I'd just try to figure out the line and then get the, the harmony part. I didn't know it was called harmony then, but just try to figure it out. And then one day, I was like, this sounds like how I remember what she was doing. And her brother was like, it does. And he went and grabbed her, and she comes running down the stairs, and he's like play that thing you were playing and I played it and she got so upset me and she just got heated and you know just ran and uh what grade was this this was like seventh grade wow and uh that that lit the fire I was like I'm, I'm trying to pick this up all the time so stuff that I liked on the radio or, or whatever and then uh chicks in in school like during uh there was we had some called a cafetorium you know, so it was like cafeteria auditorium. The cafeteria. Cafeteria auditorium. It's yeah. where we eat. And uh, they had sounds a like piano. something that would come after budget cuts. Oh, yeah. It sounds like <laughs> a bad monster or some kind of, yeah. you know. But um, there are. Uh, I would play during lunch and like chicks would be like play Tupac play I Am At It or play like this song that song and I was just trying to pick up stuff and it just went from there you know and uh, more and more I was like I want to make beats on my own and, mm-hmm. yeah, just so were you a pretty big hip hop fan at that point oh yeah, yeah. I, um, I had It Takes a Nation of Millions to Hold Us Back at a way earlier age than like anyone would understand it you know I think yeah, yeah. what age is that I mean nine or ten or something like that yeah, you know yeah. like who's trying to listen to that, that something that's not on the radio yeah. at that age really you yeah. know unless your parents are really like feeding into you yeah, I and I didn't have that shaker at that age right yeah I Still knew all that all that classic stuff classic song but um yeah well just I heard that tape and it just like it just captivated me mm-hmm. you know like all the stuff that was going on and I remember like Black Steel and the Hour of Chaos and just how that sounded and uh yeah I just really I really loved that tape and um, yeah, I I let it rock to a pop, like literally. Mm-hmm. You know? So then, and then you go to Berkeley for music business. What does the? I go to Berkeley for music period, and uh-huh. then I go and choose a major while I'm there. 
So I knew I wanted to do business to, you know, just to have more of a foundation since I knew I wanted to go into the creative side of music. Did it prepare you at all for like what you were about to get into? Yeah, because we, you know, I took one class called uh, Advanced Legal Issues and Contract Negotiation, where you're basically negotiating a contract in class, you know, and learning like what a little minuscule point or half a point, how much of a difference that can make. So like recouping class. and not recouping. And yeah. yeah, I just learned a lot about like how advances worked and all that before, before ever hearing any rapper talk about it, you know, before, uh, you know, knowing, you know, how, how on a contract, one thing it'll say in page 30, they'll try to nullify what that one thing said. And you know what I mean? Just, just the importance of having, have you a seen a lot of like really shady contracts? Oh yeah. Been- oh yeah. <laughs> I've, I've been offered them. <laughs> Oh yeah, I just imagine like that's like like negotiation. You're like, no, fuck you, pay me. You're like, that'd be yeah. just the greatest class. Really, the not fuck you, pay just me like, class. Nah, the not fuck you, yeah, yeah. not fuck me, pay me one hundred and one. Yeah, that's fucking. I don't know, man. I feel like uh, contracts. What I can say about them is that, like, the first one is almost well, at least with me. The first one is like good looking. It's like, oh, this is tight. It's just cool to have one. Right, no one right, just right. want to sign this shit because this I'm is right. what you've been hearing for fucking. Yeah, you know, I've never got the. Life. I've never got the good one. <laughs> yeah, man, <laughs> it's hard because if you, you know, if if you don't really have a perspective of like what you're worth, you know, mm-hmm. and it's hard to for you to feel like you're worth anything if you're got to pay dues. Yeah, you yeah. know, so you're like. Let me just get in where I can fit in. Mm-hmm. And you, you know, you sign the bad deal as a result of that, you mm-hmm. know, or the pain dues deal. And hopefully it's not forever so that your next thing is legit. Yeah. 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 What's, uh, do you, are, do you consider paying dues a necess- necessary thing or how do you yeah, feel about paying dues? Not, not someone making you pay dues. Mm-hmm. That's not necessary. Mm-hmm. But you having to pay dues is necessary. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, just like you needing to be mature or, or getting experience or something, you know, mm-hmm. that you knowing something and then you having the experience, you know the difference, Yeah, you yeah. know, for, okay. with, with things in your life. And so I, I just think it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I was... There's some dues I'd like to think that I paid prior to college and then while I was in college, but I didn't really pay any industry dues before I got my aftermath deal. Mm-hmm. Then I learned what industry dues were. Mm-hmm. That happened what, right what when you those? graduated, like two days after you graduated. You got oh, yeah. Yeah, which is another crazy thing. I mean, the day that I was moving out of my dorm, I got the call to fly out to how, Cali. How did that happen even? Well, um, you got to go a little bit further back, like 1999. When I first started making stuff, mm-hmm. um, playing keys and making beats, this uh, this A and R at the time, his name was Che. He ended up becoming an assistant to Dre, but he was working at a at, at a I think like Motown in New York, and um, Jeanne was signed, and uh, like Jeanne, like hey Jeanne, hey Mr. DJ oh, Jeanne, yeah. mm-hmm. big fan, yeah. And so they were signed, and they were working on their record, and somehow this this cassette of me playing keys on this beat that I like I sampled the drum from like a Tomb Raider game or something like that and I was playing these anything from it. a video game is amazing oh, I love it you know <laughs> straight put remember you could put the the PS discs in the, in yes. the CD player yes you know what I mean <laughs> yes so, like man we used to just take every game and just hope that that you'd find something that you could grab you know yeah, yeah, yeah. 
and it didn't always work. But uh, but anyway, this this joint got to to Che, and he was like, "Yo, who made this one?" And he was like, "Oh, there's this kid named Duan. You know, he's in Rhode Island or whatever." Um, so I remember skipping school that day, riding <laughs> to New York, going to Chun King. Um, What's Chun King? Chun King is a studio. Okay. Um, and then we went to some. Jets spot. dying. Pardon this. <laughs> Pardon. You good boss. <laughs> I have the black lung. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Continue, continue. All right, but um, Chun King is a studio in New York. Yeah, and so I went there. Um, had to bring like a keyboard to like lay, relay down like the joint that I made. Mm-hmm. And then um, I remember just you know being like, yeah, Johnny's probably gonna write to it. You're here back from us, blah blah blah. I never heard back from anyone. Johnny mm-hmm. ever never end up even coming out. Mm-hmm. All of that. So fast forward to 2005. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm moving out of my dorm. I get a call from this dude. Six years later. Sean, yeah, and he's like, remember Che? Remember the dude? Um, in New York, we went. You know, we went and saw um for the Johnny record. Well, he works for Dre now. Um, he needs new uh, keyboard guys, like Scott Storch kind of guys for his production yeah. team. I knew what that meant. He was like, they'll have you on the next thing. Smoking. So, you know what that means? What did that, I don't know what that means. What does that mean? So, to me, what it meant was like a, a producer who can play keys. Like, yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. Scott Storch is. Okay, like, okay. He's a, we know that he can play keys. Like, he's yeah. a keyboard player. He yeah. obviously makes beats. He was he's working not just on a, a lot of 2001, right? Right. Yeah. And, and, and the Roots. And did, you, yeah, still DRE, did a bunch of stuff. Was with the mm-hmm. Roots before Dre, then, uh, then Eve told Dre um, about Scott. Yeah, because she was in Philly, right? Yeah. And she was actually on Aftermath. Exactly. She was on the first Aftermath compilation. Yeah. She was signed for a minute. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's always liked her. I, I, I met her, she came around a few times when I first got signed. Eve? Um yeah. Yep. yep she's That's cool. what like like Dre like you know, it, from what it seems is like a fan and being on the outside, it's like he like falls in love with certain artists, even though he doesn't get to work with them as much as he like or so yeah. Like I felt like in the nineties, that, that was his thing. He had like this thing with Razzcaz, like I, you know, like I remember mentioning him in interviews and random singles would be like Drace like multiple or times. He, even he wasn't selling at the same time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he's fans of of you know specific people and then you know and I think he's still a fan of music and it's not just um you know you only have to fit a certain mode you know in order you know you gotta be a gangster rapper in order for me to you know to rock with you mm. um he loves singers I mean he signed Truth Hurts I yeah. mean he works with Marsha Ambrosis now she's not signed to Aftermath you know no, he's just working, yeah, with working with her all the time I mean she's I, I met her when I first came around too she's been around she did uh she's on the hook of uh, Get You Some which mm. is the joint you know I did mm. with, with Dre and Mark back Batson for uh, on Buster's record on the Big Bang, mm-hmm. um, the joint with Q-Tip. Uh, she originally had that whole hook. Huh. Yeah, you know she wrote that hook. Um, so uh, yeah, like he he loves singers, um, loves uh, yeah all, all kinds of things that you wouldn't necessarily expect. But of course, what makes good business, you know, needs yeah, to yeah, make totally. good business. That's another story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The first billionaire yeah. in hip hop. Right. So you figured that out. Continue the story of me, me and yeah. Dre. You know, so I get that call. He's looking for new storage kind of guys or whatever. So it was like, okay, um, man, I'm moving out of my dorm. What am I going to do? I call a buddy who lives in town. I'm like, can I store all my gear in like your mom's garage or something? I'm going to try to fly out to, to L.A. to go audition for Doc. And uh, he's like, all right. So he, he makes two trips with me to, to school to bring my, you know, bring all my gear to his uh, garage, his mom's garage. It takes me to the airport. I stay at the airport. I'm on the next thing f- smoking. I get to L.A. Um, there's other people at the airport, so I'm like, oh, man, this is going to be an audition, you know? So now I'm thinking, like, what? how is this going to go down? Maybe they'll play some drums and say play to this. Maybe they'll want to hear some tracks. I'm, you know, I'm, I don't know. But um, but I get there, 
it's all super short. Drake comes out right away. He's like, mm. who's first? They all point to me. I'm like, man, I just got here first. I don't want to go first. Who's they all like? The, they, like, the, other, the other auditioners, the other contestants, <laughs> you know, or whatever. Feed them to the lions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, so I go in there, and it's uh, it's like Mike Elizondo's in there, Mark mm. Batson, like, you know, engineers. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, uh, I see, you know, it. Some that's just like a masterpiece theater plus a spaceship. Yeah. Like you know, like detect the equipment, like just how it looked. It you know it bugged me out. Yeah. Um, we're in the studio, which uh, where where Mike did Thriller. So mm. the speakers, all the subs are like all four of these. This is one sub. What's yeah. this? Wow. You know what I'm saying uh, this is our uh, record one. Okay. So, um, so I'm bugging out just from that, and yeah. I you know been in some environments, but it was just like wow, and I'm meeting all you guys at the same time. <laughs> yeah. You know? And uh, so we go in, and what does he do? Pulls up some drums, like, boom, ah, boom, play to that. Yeah. So they pull up a thing. I just play the first thing I think of. Dre goes, sounds like you got the bounce. All right, man, thanks. Yeah. That's it. No, no indication <laughs> of anything. Uh, this is like five minutes long, seven minutes long, this, this process, this audition process. I walk out. The next guy goes in. He comes out. He's like, man, I don't know if I should have played what I wanted to play or what I thought he wanted to hear. I was yeah. like, yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Now that ice is starting to be broken, so people are like listening to the <laughs> next guy. You know what I mean? So uh, he goes in. He, Dre comes out. He's like, man, we'd like to thank everybody for, uh, for coming out today. We're going to continue to look around, but it doesn't mean there won't be another opportunity for you in the future, so thanks. And I say, okay, thank you. Go to turn like this, and he points at me and says, unpack your bags. You're staying. Wow. And like, in like front of all the... <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, I'm looking slow for clap. a camera. Can we get a slow, right? slow, slow clap? Can we get a fucking <laughs> slow clap in here? No. <laughs> I'm looking for the reality show camera because I'm like, you know, like why, why would you do that? Yeah, why would you put me on the spot? And I don't know what happened to everybody else who showed up like with some me. Top Chef shit for real. Yeah, they got, they got whisked away. Like <laughs> I go back in the studio. When I came back out, they were gone. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what happened to them. And um, yeah, that was just the beginning. He was like, I'm, I'm looking, you know, trying to, to put the new team together. I want to start working on my project again. Mm. Um, here's what it is. And uh, this was when uh, Buster was signed. So, you know, yeah, it, yeah. the first major thing that we really worked on wasn't Detox or any Dre records, mm. but but Buster. And then, mm. then Goldmine is one of my favorites. I was, that very was, cool was, joint. Yeah, you did that one, right? Yeah. Um, I got to be honest, I didn't start that joint from uh-huh. the beginning. Um, the Such joints that. Um, that really got to be in from the start, you know, like get you some and um, uh, don't get carried away. The joint with Nas, uh, mm-hmm. the joint with Missy, how we do over here, um, uh, a bunch of the other stuff. The, the joint where it's you uh, can't hold the torch. You, it's a, uh, I mean, you know, we yeah. we know that Dilla rest in peace. Yeah. Um, he's my favorite producer. Yeah, so, every producer. So so to loves be Dilla like to crazy. be on the track that he did. Yeah, you know, even though I'm just playing some keys on top, uh-huh. it's like, you know. Yeah, what what more can I ask for? What is it with Dilla that like produce? I, I had a conversation, a He's long conversation best. in the studio with the producer, and we were talking about like uh, fucking you know producers now that exist, and then he was just like, there'll never be another Dilla, and like he immediately compared him to like Bruce Lee and like all these amazing motherfuckers, <laughs> like you know on his deathbed he was making beats so like oh like, boy <laughs> like yeah 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 but so so explain him from from you like explain what why is Dilla important man I don't know if I can articulate it he's but just, just in your the own eldest. words yeah like well I feel like is he like Bruce Lee 
that was a joke. Yeah, well, Charlie Parker yeah, or Bruce yeah, Lee. <laughs> man, the thing was, I was taking that seriously because I've compared, like, I'm a big Bruce Lee fan, mm-hmm. and, I, and I think that, yeah, like, Bruce Lee's the one. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, he's, yeah. He's like Ali or Jordan or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, uh, I think because of Dilla's path, um, it's not necessarily that I wouldn't I wouldn't make it like that, but I would say he's man. I, I want to get this right. He's uh, he's definitely the producer's favorite producer mm-hmm. because you can you can hear it like his ears. Like he he's not the most like pop per se or or best as you terms like would be most influential to everyone mm-hmm. that's why I wouldn't compare him to say like Bruce Lee or whatever he's like an eat man yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. that's what I was gonna say he's the guy who taught Bruce Lee like everyone now who's great or whatever I think is as a result or partly because of Dilla like yeah, yeah. because of what he was able like he did the best pieces of all the things yeah. but did them so specifically yeah. that you you know it's it could be more of an acquired taste than say more of like the the universal taste mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know okay. um, and then I feel like when people would would do something and it would be like man I wish I would have came up with that or he took my idea from me. Mm. I feel like is, I've heard more people say that in relation to Dilla than anybody. Did else. Dre and really Dilla like he ever? like like he was thinking of things before other people were thinking of it or like? So I guess yeah, sure. Mm. I mean, I mean, if I hear if I hear a Herbie Hancock song, I can feel like oh, man, he played that chord progression. And I wish I knew that chord progression right now. Or I wanted to put that in the song, and so of course he did that 30, 40 years before me. So yeah, yeah, you know yeah. that. That can relate to anything, yeah. But yeah, I think that he just has a, a part of the of a sound that you want, mm. you know, that you want in your, you know, in your sound. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, but you know, you can also hear if you're being, you know, really um, uh, I, I guess like fair or critical, however you want to call it, like the limitations of that approach, mm. you know, or that style as well. What are those limitations? Um, well, sonically. It's, mm-hmm. It doesn't. It's not necessarily the most crispy or the most um, high fidelity sounding. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, that's you can tell the difference. You're playing something on a radio, and then you go to a Slum Village joint. You're mm-hmm. gonna be like, oh, but it's the same thing with say old Kanye stuff. And he's talked about it. Like his drums were like thin, mm-hmm. old Kanye beats, as opposed to you go and play something now from Jesus and it. Yes, yeah, you know, yeah, or the throne, like when you know you went to the, the throne concert or whatever. Jay Z stuff versus Kanye's when they were playing this stuff back and forth. Some of those older things, Jay Z stuff was banging, yeah, way more than Kanye's just because sonically, not because the idea was any better or musically was any better. Mm-hmm. And um, sometimes you don't hear that sonic difference until you a b something until you like really uh, you know until you can compare. Is that, is that Sonic? Sorry, I'm just fucking no, no, asking no, no, all these questions. No, those those Sonic differences, do they come from, uh, is that like uh, resources, money, or is that just like... Sometimes it's equipment. It's you equipment. know, it's definitely equipment. It's um, it's a dedication to, to that sound. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have um, producers who like literally sampled tape hiss. Mm-hmm. You know, Dillick sampled cassette hiss on purpose mm-hmm. at times. Um, you got people like Dre who hates noise. Who's mm. like that? That's he calls it bacon. Mm. So like bacon? I remember bring, bringing in bacon, like like you're frying bacon. Oh, bacon! Yeah, like, so it sounds like bacon. Yeah. So um, I've brought in something where before where it sounded dirty, like I, but it wasn't a sample. I made it. He was mm. like, "Is that a sample?" Because you know I hear bacon, and I was like, "Bacon," you know, and that's the 
and he was like, uh, clean that up some, yeah. you know? And I was like, okay. But I meant to I, do I, that. I, yeah, I, and I did, you yeah, know? And I was yeah. like, oh, damn, you know, now you don't like that, the, the raw sound or whatever. Yeah. And, um, and no, it, it didn't work for that. Like, that was more of a, you know, me trying to do something or, or, or yeah. you know, following a formula or being too backpacker or something like mm-hmm. that, you know? Doesn't zero to 100, doesn't that shit have a lot of bacon in it? The new Drake shit? It got, it has some sample noise, yeah. but, um, but there's the, see here's the thing like it didn't offend anybody who need to, needed to approve that record yeah 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 you know mm-hmm. and it's uh it has a enough of a fidelity for it you know to sound competitive and professional now mm-hmm. I love that beat by the way yeah that beat yeah. is incredible it's like man it's there's a simplicity to it too I mean the joint sounds like it's a Wu-Tang sample thing or whatever it's actually a new p- piece of music so it's not even old music and then just just the groove or how they just flipped it yeah oh, hard, hard ass beat alright cool I'm done no I was gonna say I'm done George so, Costanza go out with a bang <laughs> were Dre and Dilla working at that time or was that just from Busta's like that's from Busta yeah that's yeah. a Busta thing that I mean happened yeah. um, Dilla was already dead man oh was that yeah, yeah. well he mm-hmm. died when 07 I think yeah. so okay what year was what, so what year did you go to Aftermath um uh actually so yeah no I, I have that wrong then um uh, so he passed after the joint was made, but um, but he never came to the studio. Yeah. I think he was already um, having his health issues. Yeah, you know what I, I know mean? Busta had like I I did it before. He had like dozens and dozens oh, he gave and me, dozens of yeah. yeah, oh, did you? He, yeah. Gave, he gave me the instrumentals. I mean, so Busta, you know, I've been a fan of his from the beginning, and the way I discovered Dilla was because of Busta's The Coming album, you know, and the song uh, Still Shining, uh-huh. which was credited as produced by the Uma. And so the day that I meet Buster, I tell him this story, and I'm like quoting verse parts of the verse to him and stuff. I'm like, man, this thing from here and this thing from here. He like gave me a hug after it, man. He was like, yo, you're you're for real. And he gave me like the the disc of like you know 500 dre- sorry Dilla instrumentals or whatever. That's crazy. So uh, yeah, I play those all the time. Yeah, Busta, I was having a conversation the other day. We we're trying to like figure out like we're like you know Busta like because he still makes great like he still raps great and like he has like he doesn't have like the albums where you're like oh that's like uh, only built for Cuban links or like uh, the infamous or like you know what well, I mean I but like that he has run. more amazing songs and verses than almost anybody. <laughs> I feel like that run that '90s the whole campaign like leading up to ELE <laughs> that shit is fucking magic like. Whatever fucking from put your hands where my eyes can see up to fucking ELE. Just because the theme and the fucking the hype behind it and then how how crazy the production was getting and how like how he was pushing shit to the limits, it made me buy the next record without even hearing the record. Like it's more the fucking iconic like who 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 he is as an icon that I really fuck with, you know? Yeah, well. ELE was ill too, man. I remember when that joint came out, like the first three joints were like turned out to be nuts. Not yeah? not productions, but oh, shit. it was so ill, man. Like me and all my friends, like that that joint swept through my school. Yeah, we yeah. just used to yeah, we used to rock that. So yeah. then was the next thing you worked on the fifty record or was it the Eminem record? Um, after Buster, yeah. Um, I want to say was uh, Jay Z. Oh yeah, was um, you know, uh, yeah, you're my favorite. Kingdom. You're my favorite beat on that record, which is Trouble. Uh, appreciate this might that. Might be the man. only song I completely like on that record, but what a lot of people don't know, we were supposed to do that whole album. Really? Yeah. So, so this was he was recording that while he was on world tour, if you remember, um, that whole when he was in like Dubai and all those crazy places, Jay Z. I didn't even know that. And um, uh, 
I remember Dre coming in and being like, "Yo, we're gonna do Jay's, Jay's record," and we were like, "Yeah." He said, I told, him, "I told him we would only do it if we could do the whole thing." So we start working on joints, and then um, I guess it just like just time wise, you know, Jay wanted to finish faster, and so you know, I guess he went and got other production or maybe changed the direction of what he was feeling the project itself. I'm not sure, but there's stuff that we did with him that's not out uh-huh. that's crazy really that's like there's there's one song in particular it's my favorite beat out of the out of that batch of stuff that we did yeah and it's not out if i ever run into to jay i'm gonna i'm gonna rap it for him and, and be like yo where where's that at did you get in did you get in the studio with him were you, were nah, you no uh-uh. he, like i said he was on world tour we were in hawaii mm-hmm. making those records the same studio where kanye records uh-huh. um and we we're the ones to, to start using that studio first, actually. Mm. So were you and, playing um, basketball there? I hear they got a basketball court there, too. Not at that studio, uh. just um, just close by. But I don't know what court. Have you got to play basketball with any of those guys? I played with them. Yeah, how's yeah. he at basketball? He's pretty good. He's really? fast. Yeah, yeah. It's him being. Yeah. I could see him being real. Like I still, I still crust, you know, crust <laughs> him at will. <laughs> I gotta say that, but. Uh, I, at that yeah, time, nah, with the cool. Kingdom Come record, like, cause I know, like, the dudes from fifteen or fifteen hundred or nothing, like, the Bam, Bam is. Homies too went to school. Lawrence, Bam is that's playing, the homie. Bam is playing, uh, playing the drums on that. Show me what you got. Was it a, I, was it a lot of like, like, L.A. production on that record? Like, oh, the L.A. producer world is kind of crazy, right? Period. Because, like you said, like you flew out here, people were flying out here all the time. Then there's like people that are already from here, and mm-hmm. like, and then know. a lot of just working band guys, mm-hmm. you know, guys who play for all the R and B bands and all that stuff, and um, yeah, all the. Um, all of like the siblings of fifteen hundred and uh, you know, oh yeah, like, yeah, 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 and just all yeah, all the mutual musicians that we know just from like, from church and stuff like that, you know yeah, what I yeah, mean. Yeah. But um, uh, in terms of how that track came together, you probably have to talk to Just Blaze about that. You yeah. know what I mean? Because um, he was the producer and he brought them in. I know he he's worked with them on like more than one occasion. Yeah. And I think as a result of those sessions, you know, yeah. um, I worked with Just Blaze before out here. You know, um, yeah. Uh, so like yeah, he'll. You know, I'm thankful to be on the uh, the Rolodex of people that he may call when he comes out and he like he needs some help. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. Nice, nice, nice. You feel it's like very competitive being out here when there's like a Rolodex of people. Yeah, yeah. I would say I would say anywhere, mm-hmm. especially with technology. You know, I mean, or just Twitter or something. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. there's so many people com- basically be in the same category and say I'm a producer too. Mm-hmm. And if all if all that separates us is like you know. The, the the link or whatever and then you know mm. it's about pressing play so yeah it's yeah. you know I, I just uh, uh, was had a meeting with No ID today yeah, I just yeah, met yeah. him for the first time today over at Def Jam and one of the things he said was uh, he said I just made my first beat again yesterday or today like every what? time it's my first beat yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I haven't done this before yeah I was like man I, I want to yeah. I want to use that. I want to. Yeah, he's still. He's want to have that mentality. He's yeah, kind of yeah, yeah, had yeah. the most consistent run. Him and Ski Beats, I always think of as just like the most like under the radar, but just consistently great for a long, long time. Man, I, I was. I told. I told him that. I. I forgot to. Uh, I mean, I omitted Ski, unfortunately. But um, you know, from from back in the Dung Infinite days, and you know, pre one day it'll all make sense. You know, common, and then you know. Now with Jay and Kanye and all that stuff, yeah, the, the stuff that no Staples had. taste, yeah, they put out this Vince, great. Um, yeah. cocaine '80s, all of that yeah. stuff, man. He he's he's on my Mount Rushmore for sure. Yeah, the producers. Mm-hmm. So so then um, then you you were with uh, 
So you were working on the 50 record and the Eminem record. Is that kind of linear or is that? Uh, so I would. So like the first the first drum I ever did with Dre was um was the uh, Talk About Me, which was on the 50 Cent soundtrack, the Get Rich or Die Trying uh-huh. soundtrack. Then we did Buster's record, um, and then I want to say we did uh, then Jay Z, then then the um, the reup compilation for M because Stat Quo was signed and we were working on Stat Quo's record Stat for a Quo while. Stat Quo is dope as fuck. He's He's still one of my favorites. Yeah, yeah, I, that's I, the homie. I was listening to a song that was like one of those, like one of the many, like this is supposed to be for detox, right? Um, but There's I think a lot it was of those. just his verses, though. It wasn't like the verses that were for Dre, and like he was like low key dancing around and under the fucking beat, dude. He was doing some shit. He's ill, man. Yeah, he's and he's smart. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, I thought the Bishop Lamont stuff. I thought I always liked Bishop. A I lot did. Too. I did grow up. Yeah, I know. I did. The tr- I mean. We thought that was gonna work too. You know yeah. what I mean? Well, and, they were playing on the yeah, radio, but he, but then the the label did a cease and desist thing of that, and then why? I think because they wanted to do it properly. You know, they want to do it the way they want to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, versus yeah, oh, he it's was not hard. mixed or it doesn't have the setup. Let us do the setup, or whatever. Yeah. And then it's like, but Pa was playing it, and it's like, well, we want to do it our thing, and I, I guess somehow some you know some I thought really some bad. miscommunications. I interviewed him like right around the time, and like you know that was. Like you know, he Bishop had been around for a minute, and you know, like his dream was to sign to Aftermath, and mm-hmm. he got signed to Aftermath, and then like now the single's getting played on the radio, and it was a really I thought "Grow Up" was a really good song, mm-hmm. and it uh, should have probably been the one at least so it broke him like regionally in Southern California because I feel like you have to kind of like get that regional single first, and then mm-hmm. it's very rare when you just have a huge worldwide hit on your first try. I mean, here's the thing. It's it's all a dice roll, but uh, I mean, YG was having hits on LA radio for like three. I don't think at that time it was as regional though. That's yeah. It was a it was a weird. That was the time of Mims. This is why I'm hot. You gotta think. (laughs) It wasn't no regional shit popping like you know other than Southern records, which I remember. when A Bay Bay just came out, A Bay Bay, which Stat was rapping that, he was like, "You have you ain't heard that." He's I'll like, "I'll defend Hurricane Chris. <laughs> I will defend Hurricane Chris." He can freestyle. I heard him freestyle one time, like off the top, and it was um, just it in person, and he was like. I wasn't mad, man. I just yeah. Not him. Was, his like, his mixtape with Boozy, a badass hurricane. The worst mixed mixtape in the hit. I mean, it is like it's like literally like they just ran it through a tractor filled with mud. Yeah. <laughs> and then like yeah, it's the worst. But it's a good mixtape. You can't find it anymore. It, like disappeared off the internet because it was just like <laughs> I don't know, man. I had so much. I had so like I grew up like with southern shit. I like I swear to God, there's no point in time when I heard a southern song. Like I hate hear people hating on some shit like. Fucking a bay bay or what's the other shit? The I definitely the, hated on some shit in my day. Not, there's not one southern record where I just hated on it because of the accent, but I feel no, like because the accent. Hell of people would be like, "Oh, this shit sounds ignorant." I never like Jin Yang Twins. Nah, this I'm shit just sounds fun to me. Like I never liked Jin Yang Twins. You never like no, I never really liked. But like, but see, I was been going to strip clubs since I was fucking like 18, uh, though, so it's like a different thing. Like <laughs> that's true. You know, I was more there's like a time if, and place strip, for if I was on a strip club oh, yeah. in that era, I'd rather heard fixers work with that. See, nah, 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 nah. <laughs> Obviously, we're working at different BPMs. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. You need, yeah, one's a bounce and one's a... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Convulsion or something. Uh, uh, you did a... Uh, you also did a, a... So what, like... you? I know you were in the studio with them when you were doing that, right? Oh, yeah. So what was that like? I mean, do you... Like, yeah, tell me a little bit about, like, that kind of era process. Well, I mean... We mostly would record in Detroit. You know, I've been there about like ten times or so. You know, and, at the um, studio in Detroit. Yeah, and uh, it's um, 
man, he's just he's one of the people who who can really do it. You know, he can write his ass off. Yeah, like like for real, for real. Mm-hmm. He's just he's um yes, I say he's he's a he's a savant. Yeah, yeah. he's uh. Yeah, it's like, in here. Yeah, it's fucking, yeah. So we want to get some of that air. He's opening all the yeah, way. Fuck it. Fuck Sonic Quality. This is going to be like a We're going podcast. for the bacon. We need that bacon. Um, I was going to say, like, uh, like Stan. There's there's a few th- few songs that are like Stan to me. Like, you know, fucking, or make me feel like Stan. Like, obviously, like, Murder Was a Case was one of those songs where I'm just like, the whole time, I'm like, what the fuck happened? What, the, right, what right. happened, you know? But, um... You know, or the or, or the Nas song about the bullet traveling backwards and things yeah, like that. Yeah. Um, that shit hasn't happened since. <laughs> like, not like as a fucking like right. a single on the radio, you know. Right. And I want to say, even I don't know if Murder was the case was a single. I'm not really sure. I just think it was a controversial song. The Nas, but well, they song had the whole soundtrack for like an underground song. And and movie. Snoop had real charges. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. All and they made, a whole, movie they made a whole movie about it. So yeah, that's it was like a 20 minute movie in theaters, yeah. I think. Yeah, so that's controversy. But I'm talking about making play that before a booty call. Such a heady song, a pop song at the uh, same time. Right. Like that shit. That's rare. You know. Well, it's rare when a dark a song that dark is on the radio. Most. I mean, now if you think about most songs on the radio. I how many dark songs? I mean, really only Kendrick. It's probably the only. I think. I think you seen fucking High Fidelity. I guess. I guess Drake. Some of Drake songs are sort of dark. Sort of. They're they're melancholy. I wouldn't really yeah, call right. them dark. Yeah, that's you a know, they're, yeah, they're more sad or like reflective or, or longful or something or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, but I hear what you're saying too. Um, Jock brings up that song all the time because like all of the things that it that it captured at the same time. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's a hit for a reason. It won an Oscar for a reason. Yeah. Um, that song won an Oscar. Oh yeah. Was it Stan? I thought it was the fucking Lose Yourself. I'm getting confused. I was thinking that's what you were talking about for a second. I was talking about Stan, but Lose Yourself Stan. is another example right. of him. That's like fucking the eye of the tiger damn near. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Stan, with like, with the super fan of him in the trunk, and you're saying like a joint like that being, like, I feel like... Something so heady. Like, right. Lose Yourself, like, that's some, like, ah, like, that's that's some macho well, it's slash like a ba- fucking, It was right. for Battle Rock. Dream is like, yeah. You know? Well, well like, Stan, it had the Dido sample. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, and and that helped too. Yeah. Um. And then, yeah, as as powerful as like the the message or or as dark or as the imagery, or whatever that M was rapping about, he did it in such a way like you would. It's so easy to understand what he was talking about. Yeah. yeah. Yet still feel like it's not too simple. Anybody like elementary can do it. There, yeah. Like just like anyone exactly. And the detail of the pen scratching in the back, which is a production thing. Yeah. But the pen scratching and the, in the rain. Back. You think of the rain, like the as rain. A, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, that's something that that. I really mean, Tyler tried on the latest the album with that Colossus song, I think, which is good. It's not a stand. I haven't heard it. <laughs> like whatever. No, I'm, I'm not saying whatever. Yeah, I haven't no. heard it. And then Wayne did his his contribution like to the Gaim, series. Which one? Like it was like the. A, a chick's perspective or something like that. He was. It was supposed to be like stand part two or three or something. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's 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 another character. Wayne Wayne is Wayne is. I feel like Wayne's best. Like that attempt was a failed attempt. I think Wayne's best attempt at that wasn't even like it was fucking like Doctor Carter. Like that shit was like conceptually, but it still wasn't a fucking hit though. You know that's right. crazy. It's like a. I don't know, man. I mean, there's only so few artists who who tell stories or do anything like that, anyway. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, like it, that's always a, a feat, you know, getting a hit. Period. Mm-hmm. But getting a hit where you're not talking about 
hit song things where it's not about love or partying or you know he basically Lionel Richie that shit yeah. bro yeah. Well, relapse wouldn't. He? I mean, that was pretty the subject matter on it. I mean, like the theme was serial killer. Yeah, it was supposed to be three relapses, one, two, and three. So, um, and he had decided there was going to be two when we were like four or five songs in. So, there's a lot of other beats, man. Like, like if he would have just made relapse one record, like which it ended up kind of being, um, the thing would have been even more crazier because he didn't put all of the most potent stuff on it. He was initially going to tell the story and his progression that's why he had the accent so much but then he realized he didn't want to use it you know and yeah so i mean it's know, a pretty stuff it's pretty inter- i mean like first time i heard it i was like wow this is like one of the most amazing records that i probably can never listen to again mm. just because it was so dark and so like morbid and kind of but it's interesting I mean, how that odd future kind of that's our favorite record i just really? met tyler on the street like three weeks ago and he told me relapse is his favorite record yeah. i mean um um I think he might have said second favorite behind Marshall Mathers yeah. LP, whatever. But you know, you know that crew in particular are big fans of that sound. And there are people who hit me on Twitter or in person, and they'll be like, "I know he gets flack for his accent, but the beats on Relapse were crazy." What so accent thank you. was he using at the time? So you know, it's like, just kind of like this higher accent, almost. kind of yeah, higher pitched kind of. It's pretty. I mean, it's a pretty like there is. It is like one of the most singular records ever made. I think like there is nothing that you can compare relapse to because like it is the beats are incredibly dark. The rhymes are like incredibly dark, and just I mean it's like a it's has there ever been, it's like theory it's like thematically similar to horrorcore, but it's like horrorcore is kind of sticky and like right. I guess parts of it with the accent kind of made it seem sticky, right. but it's kind of terrifying. <laughs> like relapse is a frightening kind so, of record hardcore you mean like cage and necro and stuff or like, like that, i was thinking more grave diggers like okay. earlier stuff but okay. like you know because that is really dark like we're you know pickaxe right. the shovel right. did you like cage and necro back in the day um i was entertaining yeah i like that shit. yeah i like, <laughs> I like agent orange i like yeah, yeah i mean lot, yeah. i uh <laughs> i i knew about M, but you know prior to like infinite ep and all of that you know um mm-hmm. uh sage francis was the, we the just DJ. A, we yeah. just had him on. Man, so I yeah. grew up listening to him because I grew up listening to WRIU while I was in high school. Yeah, he was talking about and that. And he was the DJ. Yeah. So people used to call in and freestyle. I used to take my make my pause tapes and every and he used to rap. I he used to host this thing called um uh uh at this place called the Black Rap. Um they would have like once a month or like every Friday or something, they'd have like an open mic. Um, we're mad MCs and he would host that in rap and um, uh, so yeah I know about all of that stuff because of Sage that's cool yeah, yeah we were just talking about how there, like, there wasn't really that much of a Providence hip hop scene like other than that he, yeah, was, nah, like, he was the scene yeah, yeah him and his his little crew that's yeah. crazy that's tight yeah. have you worked with Sage or would you work nah, with Sage I would mm-hmm. I mean I haven't met him since me becoming successful actually mm-hmm. so uh, I saw him on Thayer Street one time in, in Prav um, right by Brown University just when I was getting accepted to Berkeley mm-hmm. and I told him about that and we knew some mutual people so he was like alright man we'll do your thing yeah, you yeah. know it was that kind of thing yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, that's it you know I don't even mm-hmm. know if he knows how, who I am I doubt you know what's so funny man let's make this connection via shots fired let's tell, tell Sage I said what I, up I think I've tried to say this shit a few times uh, like Cause we, I, th- I thought this when we had Kubert on, you know, um, uh, a lot of dudes in the underground. And then I, gr- I, I'm from Project Blow, so like I came up under under like AC alone and all those right, dudes. Right. And um, a lot, and, and and I felt this when like when when dealing with them too, you know. Uh, but uh, a lot of like 
underground dudes kind of feel you know feel like there's a they feel a disconnect from the actual like you know uh from 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 the like the the, the big money side of the industry you know they feel feel a disconnect right when they kind of don't know how many people are in there that they like that they've that they've you know uh influenced and or or just fans you know and yeah. um like uh, yeah, it's it's just weird, and you know. Uh, I think there's stubbornness on both ends. You know, I I went through the process like as a fan of mm. of hating rap when the bling bling era was starting to happen, mm-hmm. and we were and it was like oh you know stuff is commercial. Nas ain't doing Illmatic no more. Yeah. Jay ain't doing Reasonable Doubt no more. Like all of that. Yeah. And so really went towards that underground stuff the stuff that Sage was promoting all that and then realized like oh you guys are just as bad yeah, you yeah. know just the opposite side yeah, you yeah. know and the stuff that I Not realized balanced. yeah that I loved actually was stuff that had the best of both you mm-hmm. know and was a lot of commercial stuff that was just executed well but that had integrity and had merit yeah, yeah. and you know people like Black Thaw and stuff like that so yeah. um, uh, that's what I go for now and more of those things that meet all of that criteria happen to be on the major industry than more the underground or backpacker industry. Mm-hmm. Just plain and simple, man. Mm-hmm. And you know, I got backpackers who get mad at me as re- mm-hmm. saying that, but it's it's true, man. Well, fuck them all. <laughs> I wish they just put up more records. And that's like the problem with the major label. It's like, you know how many major label rap records they put out this year? Like five. Yeah. It's literally been like five records. Because they can only put out what they can, you know, they well, have to put all of the It's a blockbuster model focus. now. It's yeah. like how the big studios are in film. Like they have their summer tent poles and like, yeah. that's like exactly. the, the resources I, go. Someone got to hope another artist does really well so that they can have, re, you know, the budget to yeah, the budget for them. the next thing. Which you is kind of tight. You don't, you're you depending don't on your guy. You're dependent on the guy that comes before you. You know, We're terrifying. Yeah, it's kind of cool I mean, though. But what if the guy before you sucks? <laughs> Shit. Like sucks, like sales wise or sucks yeah. talent wise. Both. If it sucks talent wise and it sells well, then you're just like, well, woo, this is gonna right, be well, good for me. If, if the talent <laughs> sucking results in sales sucking. Yeah. You know what if what if uh, I can't even. What if you're signed and Cray Sean's ahead of you? <laughs> Cray Sean. Yeah. I don't know, man. But this is to be totally honest. And you're like, and you're like she's eating up my budget. You're like, Chris Jones' budget yeah. is eating up my budget. This to be <laughs> totally honest. If I'm on the, on a label with the person, right? It's like if I'm fucking. If we're all fucking robbing a bank together, right? And we're all rapping, right? Like what I can say from knowing what happened with Chris and them, I want to be like, hey, I want to make sure these writers. And these producers, make sure the Dewans, <laughs> make sure the so and sos, like we got to make speak. sure that this this record, yeah, I'm gonna say, say everyone knows Speak the wrote speak. that song. I want to make sure that this is happening because <laughs> if it doesn't happen, then I'm fucked, you know. And but I would do it in a very like cool way, like, oh man, I'm having a studio session and you want to come over and like I'd invite him over and probably like you know leave or some shit, you know. I mean that all sounds good, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Dude, you're looking at me with the such like I've like, been there before. Yeah, you're just saying, right. I was, I'm just waiting. For you to realize that there's a lot of cooks. <laughs> no, I mean, just a, I mean, you got like a staff of a hundred people who are just gonna have that opposite. Kitchen. Yeah, yeah. Who are gonna, you know, I mean, when it, it makes you, I understand just now more than ever, like just the knock that the industry has or that labels have for great artists for the people that they love and that they're actually supporting. Like they, you know, they have issues with them because it's. You know the music business is it's just the opposite of creativity you know mm-hmm. it's you know you have it is a business and we got to accept that but um yeah it's just almost every aspect of it 
you know, it's counterintuitive to being mm-hmm. creative. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, you you had a you had a beat. You did Black Boy Fly, right? Yeah. On Kendrick's record. Mm-hmm. So I mean, Kendrick is. I feel like he's like almost the exa- he's the exception, sort of. But mm-hmm. I mean, do you feel like? Uh, you tell me a little bit about you know working with them. He's he's an exception. Yes. Yeah. Um, I think um, pretty much TDE. I would say is you yeah. know as a whole. I mm-hmm. think that they've been about that from the beginning. Yet they have to deal with the industry, and yet he's having to deal with. Um, oh, you gotta make a deluxe version, or you gotta do this, or or you gotta wait until this for the single, or we're not gonna put this video this time, you know, because yeah. now there's still also a label involved, and but you have you know top and whoever's your team fighting as much as they can, saying no, we we need a date and we need this and we you know. Yeah, I know Q. I mean, Q was upset because he felt like he had to make kind of you know commercial concessions on his record. Just about every everyone does, unless you're already. Madonna or Jay or something I think the like only that. one who and did I feel it was like Kendrick. that they get pressure too. I feel the only one who hasn't was Kendrick, and that was just such a weird exception. Kendrick's got all the pressure. We just it's just not necessarily public, you know. Yeah. There's there's man, I don't know how many label people I've heard who said um, it's going to be Schoolboy or Absol that are going to do better than Kendrick because Schoolboy has the content. He has the, the he talks about the party stuff, and Absol is the is the clever one. He's the one that all the the rappers say is the ill rapper. Um, we're not sure what Kendrick's going to do, and Kendrick's the biggest one out of all of them. So you know it's. But see, there's my favorite book is a book uh, called or well, not my favorite book, but one one book that I like is uh you know uh the black swan right, right. by nicholas nassim talib and it's right. just about basically how everybody is like that never happens this never happens then it happens and they're like i knew that was gonna happen yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's like that's what so i'm pretty sure because i know somebody uh you know tunji uh mm-hmm. belogan very well yeah tunji grew up rapping in cyphers with him good to see him doing well he uh we need to have him on the podcast if he's listening but um Shout uh out to tunji he was you know he was just telling me he was like and if I can trim the language down I played records for people and they were like you know the song is Bitch Don't Kill My Vibe and he was just like yeah you know they were looking at me like I was retarded like I was retarded and I was like I couldn't imagine anybody thinking that especially right. after the fact though right. like because I, I heard it way 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 late in the game you know and um, I'm sure that happens all the time wow yeah I mean I knew that he brought that sample to them but yeah, I can't imagine that either. You no, playing no, the song, playing, playing the, song the song, that it's d- after it's done. That's what I mean. And mm-hmm. then and people being like, "Yeah, hey, I don't know." Mm-hmm. Like, damn. Well, I think it what was, people think like in terms of like a formula that has worked in the past. So you mm-hmm. listen to that song, right? And you're like, "Well, all right, there's no big guest singer on it. It's just kind of. Ca- I mean, yeah, I guess again, again, it's Sunny, Gaga? Yeah, so right. sunny Moon is on it, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. right? So okay, you're like, "Who the fuck is Sunny Moon?" If you don't know, like, listen to like you know her under whatever underground beat music stuff. So yeah, so you're like, oh, Lady Gaga, and then you hear Lady Gaga's. You've heard Lady Gaga's version, right? Yeah. You heard Lady Gaga. I mean, that's the worst shit ever. It's yeah. terrible, which is crazy because this is a. It was like Wale when Wale had Lady Gaga on Chillin', right? Like, and everyone, I, I never heard that song. You never heard that song. Well, on paper, I mean, it's Lady Gaga basically doing an MIA impression. Mm-hmm. But on paper, that makes sense because yeah. like Wale is a new artist, and most of the time people only go with what works on paper because that's mm-hmm. the only thing they can kind of quantify. Like, this has worked in the past, therefore this will work again in the future. But I don't Whereas Kendrick is like this Y talent. It's like off the grid or but, whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't understand why people in the music industry think like that just because 
they like because every year jobs. every year they're yeah. surprised they're like oh my god I didn't expect for this to happen I didn't expect for this that's why there's fucking award shows yeah. and ever this controversy because nobody knows what the fuck they, is gonna happen because they want to keep their jobs because yeah. it's so much easier to defend your job as existence when you're like look this worked here therefore this is gonna work here the single was already you know like someone like Krayshawn right the, or like the meeting Krayshon. I had today yeah. at Def Jam it was basically saying the same thing you were saying just they were talking about just the label's perspective of what what it has to be for them to be viable for them yeah and um and the thing is yeah, they don't was, know. It, was it numbers they can, numbers they have numbers, to go yeah. on research man they have mm. to go on youtube research. soundcloud even, i'm sure twitter yeah, even for, for artists that haven't put anything out they go to other numbers for research they'll yeah. say okay what are their social media things then yeah do they have any kind of cosign thing then is there some way that we can we can uh quantify their cultural impact yeah. you know what i mean and they need that so they go to sell somebody a new thing they say oh here's what worked before here's what worked we know we can make this work mm. or here's this incredible thing that you think sounds ill I think this sounds ill mm. we have no way to show that it'll work how do we get it to work it's like only accident or you have your own funding somehow yeah, yeah, yeah. and you push it totally but, but with, with music but, with music how, how this happened like too like it's so you look at fucking you look at like fucking Nirvana or you look at fucking everything that's fucking happened since that's like amazing it's always or then we bring it up to Kendrick it's always like this was, you know, this seemed like some happy accident that happened. I know they all have funding behind them and they all have producers, right. but they all these acts that end up changing music are not the guys that people said but he, is the next guy. But even guy, Kendrick, you know? like, say and Top is not, to Top Dog is not, they don't have that system. Mm-hmm. A guy like Kendrick, say, like, you're like, oh, you hear it, one of his songs, you're like, this guy's incredibly rough. Take away Top Dog, that whole label, that whole sound that they build there, and you throw him into the major label system, that doesn't happen. I, I know, but it doesn't I just, happen out I'm just the way saying, that Kendrick becomes. I, I'm just, I'm, my, my question is why with so many examples of uh, g- really genuine well-produced I'm not no fucking backpacker mm-hmm. genuine well-produced music that doesn't really have like you said that feature or doesn't have those numbers why do they not take more risk on that like I play dice when I go to Vegas right mm-hmm. and I'm like man dude uh, if I put my money here the chances of me hitting right. that are a little bit low, but if I put less money than I would normally put and I hit that, then I make fucking three times as much money as I would with fucking pass. You know what I'm saying? I think there are tons of people in the industry asking that same question. Mm-hmm. I, think I think they're trying Back to. in the day, yeah. yeah, there used to be a lot of risks. That's mm-hmm. what artist development was. It was yeah, like, yeah. we will go and develop this artist. Yeah. You know, um, but now, you know, you have most people, it's starting to turn around again, but people who came into the industry at power positions from other industries other parts of business yeah so they're not looking at it as like any kind of cultural impact any kind of like how the music makes you feel mm. anything all of the intangibles yeah, yeah. All, the things that what music is yeah, yeah. it's just like no what happens as a result of this music and then what can I how yeah. can I increase the profits but, there I mean it's know? it's it's a whole and that's understandable too it's a whole thing that's like I was t- I just interviewed it's understandable but it's not right like, oh, like not, I didn't say like, it's <laughs> condonable yeah. but uh, the, the best pimps used to be used to be hookers. You know what I'm saying? Though, yeah. like the best, they're like, oh yeah, the the, the mama son. They get it. Well, the best music sure. executives used to be like guys like like um, Ahmed Erdogan, who like yeah, you know yeah. was a guy who would just take a fucking risk, and like that's just generally how it is, and mm. you know, but it's. Also, you look at film. Like I was interviewing Zach Braff the other day, right? Mm-hmm. You know, he's trying to get his movie Garden, his sequel to Garden State made. Not a sequel, but like a successor, kind of. He couldn't get funding. This guy made a movie that he has two and a half million dollars, wow. right? 
they, it'd be grossed, I think, 26 and a half in America and 36 and a half worldwide. And God knows how many DVDs and pay-per-view. Must have probably made 50, 60 million dollars off a two and a half million dollar budget, right? He couldn't get his mo- a follow-up made for 10 years without them being like, well, here's the thing. Like, you have to have this cast. We're going to tell you how you have to have this cast. And you're going to have to make final cuts based on how this tests in a, in the oh, suburbs yeah. of L.A. Yep. And that's how everything works, I think, in, when you get to that level. It's focus grouped. Yeah. Man. That's just amazing. Like Radio you know, is like that. Like, crack cocaine didn't work like that. It was just crack. Well, like, crack you is cook, addictive. You just, you just, <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm, sure, I'm sure crack got focus grouped. <laughs> I'm sure Iran Contra, one of them things, took a group of people. Ask the CIA. Like, Ask the CIA. Like, They're on no, Twitter. Crack yeah. Tweet yeah. at the CIA right it's, now. If, it's, if crack Let's, was introduced <laughs> by CIA like it's supposed to be, then it was absolutely focus grouped. Uh, <laughs> hey, I think cocaine was already a good enough example. We don't have to focus group. Mm-hmm. And by focus group, have, just this we, one dude from the CIA smoking like, this is going to work. Right, Tuskegee experiment is a focus group. <laughs> that is a focus group. Yeah. That's, all right, let's go back to it. So, all right, so then you, when did you start rap? Were you always rapping? I probably rapped first. Uh-huh. Yeah, in terms of anything that like, like anybody else is a fan of the of of hip hop, you start rapping along with the songs, because and then you and then, is expensive. and then you just start trying to rap a little yourself. And I'm fortunate, even like being in Rhode Island, like Providence, Rhode Island, Newport, Rhode Island, hip hop was alive and well, like on the street corner. So there were people doing ciphers and stuff like that, and um, yeah, enough for me to like every now and then get involved. And um, uh, I never wanted to do it. Seriously, in high school, I battled a couple people, but it was only for fun at like a party or something like that. Wasn't taking any of it seriously. I thought too many people wanted to rap. And then even when I started getting into beats, I thought too many people wanted to make beats, so I still wanted to, to do the law thing. And um, once I started to really get a handle on the beats, I was like, oh, I'm gonna just do this. Here's a excuse for me to not try to rap or whatever, embarrass myself that way. I'll just, you know, go in on the, on the production. And um, I just could never completely leave, you know, the mic away. Yeah. And um, when I would do something, like one time, uh, so I didn't even tell Dre I made beats, maybe like the first six months I was working with him, I didn't even play him one of my own joints. Um, I just wanted to contribute to what was going on, learn as much as I could. Then it was like, yo, what do you have? Do you have anything? And so I, then I started to bring stuff. And then it started to, you know, be requested of me to start trying to take over the room or contribute. And one time I was like, what if you said this line, like, such and such? And he was like, wait, you, you rap? Let, say that again. Oh, you got a voice? How come you're not rapping? And, you know, like that kind of thing. I'm like, don't, don't gas me. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, I'll, I'll do this thing. And then every now and then when I could uh, get studio time, I would just, you know, get the engineer to stay a little bit later and let me just hop on the, the mic and just, you know, uh, just lay, just demo something down until I had a couple of things that I really liked and then I just put them online. And um, originally was really working strong on my record. On, on the, I had a title, you know, The Decision, but then I meet Phil uh-huh. and... Um, uh, we start working so much on music. It's Phil Boudreaux. Just Phil so Boudreaux, yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, first I'm like, sing a hook on this song for me, for my song. And then I'm like, oh, you play an instrument, play overdub on this. Then I was like, oh, you play multiple instruments? Let's make beats together, you know? Then he played me a song that he wrote on his own that was like halfway done. And I was like, man, this kid is an artist. I'm gonna let's focus on this, and I was I felt like I detoxed my record. Like I I knew what Dre felt like in terms of when you hear someone that you like want to produce, you care about that much more than your own record. Is that what happened with Dre and Kendrick? Kind of, 
I would say that's what happened with Drain. Any person uh, that who's who's there, yeah, you know, um, not with that's Drain Kendrick. Noble as fuck. Oh, it's 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 amazing. He'll give you his best stuff if he if you don't have any records and you need the record for your joint. You know, um, at the same time, it makes his joint delayed and delayed and delayed. Um, uh, but I wouldn't say that happened with Kendrick specifically because, from my understanding of that, you know. Kendrick recorded most of his stuff with Before. TDE, yeah, yeah. and there's no Dre production on that album. Totally, except if for you the, look the, at it, there's yeah. no Dre beat on there. There's a Dre verse. There's no Dre beat on there. Huh, yeah. There's a, uh, uh, you know, um, Compton. That was a Just Blaze beat. That joint was going to sure. be on Detox okay. for a long time, but how Just Blaze made that. How do you think Dre like? Because like, I think a lot of people were wonder. You know, how do you think Dre makes like an album like that better? Because I mean, it's kind of an unquantifiable thing. But someone who's on the inside, like, kind of just curious. Well, he's a he's a sonic genius. Like he's a mixer genius. He can mix better than I think anyone I've ever heard mix, and he d- mixes every track that he's you know gets credit production on. Um, and uh, vocals, stems everything. Um, will vocal? Pro- I learned vocal production from him. Oh, you know, wow. he let me vocal produce him um, at times to, to practice. Um, but uh, just sitting there and watching him vocal produce everyone, yeah. uh, a beast at that. At yeah. beast at like knowing. Um, come in and punch here and do this part again and then now give me another stack and not necessarily like the harmony notes or nothing like that but in terms of how many I want to get before it sounds good to me yeah that that's what I would say Dre has is like just he has great taste and if you have great taste and you know how to find the the taste you know how to use the equipment to get it yeah. he has the patience to you know to sit there until it's that one mm-hmm. where a lot where everyone else settles before they get to to 10 you know mm-hmm. and at 9 he's like this is a 9 but I'm used to 9s where's the 10 at yeah, yeah, yeah. you know that's yeah. tight patience is definitely like that's one of, one of the things that it's a virtue that motherfuckers well it's very I guess I want to say like the the difference between like uh, like the more successful people like I know a lot of talented kids but the most successful people are usually the most patient you know there's a bunch of other things too but like patience is one of those things that like uh, you know uh, like certain kids like oh, like I'm just gonna put out a mixtape be able to do all this shit uh, all, <laughs> like the whole the whole way through oh, and not yeah. and not really get the best best but like yeah. the people that I know um, that are doing the best are usually patient and have excellent quality control right you know? I was gonna say I think sometimes it's not even just patience with the example you were talking about mm-hmm. but like um, restraint you know what I mean mm-hmm. and um uh, yeah, I, I mean, today and nowadays, everything's so disposable and intention fan, it's all microwave. But you have all these kids who, like, the very first song they make, they think they should get a deal. They want to make a mixtape out of the first 12 songs they've ever made. And they do. And they, they do. And they get blog attention. And so it rewards that, yeah. you know, as opposed to perfecting your craft. Totally. Going through all of that process of songs that aren't the greatest before your hearings you know totally. someone well, ready to, to I always say this it's like you remember when like I was a metaphor I always use but or analogy I always use but <laughs> you remember when like everyone all these kids were like going out of the NBA from high school yeah. like just that was like every year there'd be at first it was like you know Kobe like, Kevin Garnett stop that. and then yeah and like that's how the rap world is like you'll have a kid and you're like oh yeah you know he'll rap and you're like oh you got a really good jumper but you can't play defense but it yeah. doesn't matter because then they're getting attention on whatever you know we yeah. all know the same websites it's They're crazy gonna, now too. Oh, passion of the wise. The, the, <laughs> the people that are saying but, it though, they're talking about how. But I'm not offering them record deals. Exactly. <laughs> like, but they're no. saying how their boy told like, 
Like I heard um, Like you know And no disrespect to them With like Troy Abs boys Or whatever yeah. I saw them on Breakfast Club And they were like Yeah Troy told us We should just rap So we're rapping now <laughs> And it was like Man there's a lot of I've totally. heard that I've heard that Not just from them Like we'll a bunch of other people start wearing soccer jerseys Who, who that <laughs> You know That basically said Here's how it's successful If you just do this thing Yeah And take a year Or a year and a half I'm popping enough That you can exist Yeah You know And you don't have to Have been rapping your whole life Totally So there You know It, it contributes to people thinking Yeah that, it's you crazy know, They don't gotta put in Yeah it's work. crazy I interviewed Burn One once Like uh, Or I was just We're talking And uh, I was like So he was like a DJ You know Burn One stuff Like yeah And I, he was like Well I was like When did you start making beats He's like Oh I took a year off And did nothing else But just worked He's like I didn't see anybody He's like For a year And did nothing But teach myself How to like be a you know what I mean and like mm-hmm. but not just like I didn't, he didn't just show up to the studio one day lay down 60 you know or the equivalent right. I don't know but so anyway so you back to um so you met Phil when, when did you guys meet up and how did that kind of happen well we originally met in college man it goes back because we were born in the same hospital we're from the same place grew up in the same neighborhood but never saw each other never met um both go to Berkeley um, have like one conversation because we knew uh, mutual people but that was it um, he was a trumpet player in college so I didn't even know he could sing or did he go to Berkeley Hopefully, too? he went to Berkeley um, and then um, out here you know two three years ago there's a birthday party I run into him um, we exchange numbers I'm like yo I've been you know working on stuff I'm just finishing um, up uh, um, you know uh M's, uh, you know, I think we had done so bad for um, for uh, recovery, uh-huh. and so it was like, um, man, come come listen to some stuff, you know, come come by some time. Uh, I played him some music. I'm like, you ever heard that song "Superstar" by Lupe Fiasco? What if we did like a darker version of that? You have maybe a similar tone, but I think you're ill. Uh, once you sing on this beat, he sings me something over the phone. takes takes the CD home, sings me something over the phone. I'm like, it's a rap. Like, yeah. This kid is ill. I can already tell. And um, I like gave him some direction over the phone. We're able to really uh, uh, communicate really well because like the music terminology, but then also just you know how we would talk if you and I were in the studio or something. And it just it was just really effortless and easy. It just it was just dope to me. That's and it was like man. Um, maybe I need to make some more stuff with this kid. But the first joint we made together was a song I, I have called Lost, and I sent that to Dre. That was your first. That was your yeah, first. Yeah, that's single, the yeah. first thing we ever worked yeah. on together. And um, I sent that to Dre. He flew me and Phil to Detroit to go write for M. You know, off of that song. Yeah. So that's pretty encouraging to keep working on stuff together. Yeah. And then, um, like I said, by the time uh, he played me one of his original joints, I was like, man, this is this is what it is. So I pretty much just took all my focus to you know to AOE which is our crew you know our little team and um and that's what we're on now just like uh we finished um his first project at the end of the year so in January we put out Ether uh, just yeah. online and um we've been playing our shows and working on material for the next one that's cool and I was saying uh, I was telling you but uh how she was in, this is an old episode when we had the how she's a quelle on and you remember I was like how she, she was I was like do you like anything that's really popular and he's like <laughs> Phil Boudreaux <laughs> and we're like, shout out to ah, Shoes, man. That's yeah. the homie. Yeah, he's he's a hard faced motherfucker. I mean, he's, criti- it, he's critical. Like, yeah, I I don't I don't see how people get mad. You know, they they nah. should yeah they should know. The I man mean, is honest and has integrity. Yeah. He just has he just, he has his own taste. And if yeah. you, if you don't like it, then like you just like I don't know. He just keeps That's it real. It. Like you need people like that because yeah. the industry is the opposite of that. Where everyone's like, you know, everything you do is amazing, and you're like, and behind their back, I've like, never heard him diss anything dope. Yeah, you know. He he might do something over hyped. 
mm-hmm. but not anything that's really quality who you know it just won't be his thing but he's never dissed it yeah, he only true. disses the whack stuff yeah you know More the yeah, people that, yeah tried, exactly yeah. exactly totally so what so you've been working on that now and then like uh what um what are you working on other production stuff like but the are you still you're still aftermath yeah um well um I, I fulfilled my production deal uh-huh. with, with, with Dre like a, a few years ago okay. and, um, and we've done more work since then yeah. obviously but it's just been more on a track by track basis uh-huh. you know now that I have my own artist and yeah. son you know I'm trying to, to build my, yeah. my my legacy so to speak um, or team or family but um, uh, yeah got some stuff in with, with people I always you know when you're working with, with artists and and you don't have the track listing yet I don't want to claim that I'm on anybody's album because it might not be on there but you know I've been with with Sean I've been in with Kendrick Um, there's uh, there's some new kids that I like Michael Christmas um, from Boston I think he's He's super dope dope. yeah he's good Um, I like King Mez you know um, he's really dope Um, he's from uh, North Carolina I think it is Uh North Carolina South Carolina Um, there's uh, um, Amir Obey um, he just dropped a project um, called uh, it's like Detroit and Brooklyn put together Detroitland um, super dope and he's young and the production on there is crazy uh, and so like um, I'm hoping to work with him um, I want to I want to find new kids I want to yeah. find new new chases yeah. you know so to speak so detox I, I just met a kid <laughs> we'll I- see man right, right <laughs> now um, so here's the thing that a lot of people don't know was that like at one point a couple of years ago and I'm only saying this because um, Marsha Ambrosis uh, revealed more um, that uh, that the album he's working on is not called Detox. Um, he scrapped Detox a couple years ago and, huh. and came up with another title. I won't say what the title is because I haven't seen yeah. that uh, online or anything yet. But um, uh, he was like, we're going to call it this and we're going to put it out this way and this way and this way. And he told a couple of people and we kind of knew that that's just what the thing that we were working on. And if we get the, the joint that he feels like here's the joint I can lead off with that that's what the project will be I'm under the impression that it's still that one uh-huh. you know how um, great would you say the detox archive because I imagine it's like sort of like there's probably 300 amazing songs that are just like in yeah, the chambers well, yeah I would say maybe that many beats um, I think that um, that, that the, the amount of songs isn't that much because you know he won't let anything that already wasn't potential to possibly be a 10 even get recorded you know so there's a smaller amount of songs than that but i think that they're bangers and the stuff i mean when the first round of i say the first round but the round of leaks that i remember when i was first around with like topless and all of that stuff the stuff with with ti went and then ti had the session of all stuff you wrapped on you did why you worked on why you wanted to didn't you I did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mike's oh. favorite song. Mike's favorite T.I. song. Yeah, oh, man. Shout, shout out to K.O., the producer. <laughs> and, um, uh, but um, when that first range of stuff came out, there's some stuff in the vault that was created then from, you know, Khalil, from myself, mm-hmm. from the different people around that's just like, like, man, I wish people could have heard that. Yeah. And there's some versions of, of songs that, um, that were originally detox versions. Um, uh, you know, Get You Some was originally a, uh, was, you know, a potential beef for Doc. Um, there's a few other things. Um, but uh, to me, the music is there. And it's like, I feel like one day he's going to wake up and say, here, today's the day. And I'll put it out. Because it's, the music's been there. Yeah. You know? So it's I just, can it's tell you this him. right now that like, with uh, the way people release records right now, if he were to say, 
let's put this out today and do sell that. like five hundred thousand first week. It would week. sell like at like least. he's the one who can get away with it. Him and Beyonce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and Death Grips. Because <laughs> they just broke up and all that, right? Yeah, so or just before that, they put out a record with a penis on it last year. That I don't think that sold five hundred thousand. No, I mean, but it's good for what the fuck they had to working it. Like they weren't like you know, yeah, they they're a bunch of dicks. Anyways. All right. Um, so what's the best? So when when's the next? Uh, ether is that? Uh, yeah, that's ether's the best out. You know, go, uh, check for a couple of uh, remixes coming out with that. Um, it's on SoundCloud. And uh, yeah, iTunes. SoundCloud, iTunes. Um, you know, definitely on Twitter. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna drop some new music man the decision is not dead um playing these songs with phil and us performing live and all of that has really um reactivated uh you know the drive then you rap on ether yeah and yeah. everyone shows me a lot of love for yeah. that verse and when we perform live mm-hmm. i perform more than just you know this is why the song from ether and mm-hmm. people are like man when rap more let, let me hear this yeah, you know yeah. so uh you know i I'm, I'm past the what any expectations that it needs to be. I just love hip hop. I love the culture. Uh, I can rap better than I think some other producers who rap and who are in situations. And if, for that alone, I'll compete against them. <laughs> you know, I think right. producers are, are usually better better rappers than just guys that just rap. Until unless there's like that rapper with the spark. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Some, I, there's like I, your I, ghost face yeah. who's just like all over the place and they're like hella charismatic. But I think I think most producers sound like their producers. When they rap, With that pocket usually, but like their rhythm is usually perfect yeah. because they have good rhythm. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say, if if I if there's anything that I have, I know is I have pocket. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll the, put my pocket against ooh, anyone. What's the best pocket. way for people to get at me? <laughs> 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 that's, right. that's a good way to go. Your pocket. Pause. That's a good way to go. All right. All right. Yeah. Thanks for coming through, man. I appreciate thanks, it. Thanks, man. Um, at Dewan Parker on Twitter, um, D W N P R K R on Instagram. Head up my man Phil Boudreau at P H I L B E A U D R E A U um, no on X. Instagram or uh, or Twitter. No X's. Okay. Yeah, the the real way. Okay. And uh, that's it, man. Thanks for having me. Cool. Thanks for coming. Yeah, thanks for coming, bro. Yeah. Mm-hmm.